Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Lack of Focus. I'm the host this week, uh, joining me is Ed. So, hi Ed, how are you? Hello everybody, how are you? And we have Sean joining me as well. A, hi, good, evening, a good evening to you, Chris. Yeah, and there you go, see I'd have to introduce myself now because Sean did it for me. Good. Yeah, there you right. go. It's, it covers up the fact that I was inept and missed that part of the intro. Darn rookies, man, I'll it's tell you. It's fine. <laughs> so... Yeah, we had a, I'm going to say we, you know, collectively, we collectively didn't edit the pod, last podcast on time, so it only came out this week. The royal so, we. Yeah. What? That's, that's not how not that's one how the of the three of us edited it on time. This is that's true. That's a true statement. That is a true statement. Hey, if, uh, the, so, if the Queen of England can refer to herself as we, you can do the same. Well, you know, I try. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that episode came out a little bit late, sorry about that. Hopefully this one will be a quicker turnaround, but no promises, because life's a little bit crazy at the moment. Mm-hmm. I have caveated the show already. You know, if Jill goes into labour, I'm probably not going to finish out a recording. So it's not but my like, fault this time. Although I so, am technically on call tonight, just around the same page. So we have two uh, potential boulders over our head at the moment. I, I did consider... Like we could just end the show with me just leaving, like just leaving, turning Craig off and just walking away, and just putting it <laughs> like that. It'd be fine. No, no, we insist that you switch on to Discord on your phone. We want to hear the whole ride to the hospital. <laughs> I also thought I had that thought this morning when Joe said she was feeling a little bit different this morning. I was like, well, I can just record on my phone. Like one, oh, one of you two can throw like command Craig to join. Absolutely then, not. <laughs> Look, man, if it if it's a twelve hour labor, I'm like twelve hours, what thirty six or whatever. Like, if it's more than ten minutes, I'm done. I, I don't know. What to... <laughs> so we didn't go for this with, with Evie. I've got no idea what I'm doing. I, I was looking at the book again. Like, oh yeah, it's like things, and I've got to like reminder to like do horse breathing or whatever. Yeah, you went to all those classes and stuff. You should remember that kind of stuff. There's zero chance that horse breathing is going to be helpful for us us collectively because there's no way we'll get three more than two of them before we start laughing in which case it's really hard to breathe like that and laugh at the same, the time. same time yeah so well if whatever. it has anything similar like i think my oldest daughter um they were going to give my wife an epidural that's a little needle through the spine you know so you numb all your stuff and they called the anesthesiologist it's two o'clock in the morning uh my daughter beat him to the hospital by about five minutes um <laughs> So just after she was born, my mother, he comes in and goes, oh, I guess you don't need me anymore. Turns around and goes out the door. Yeah, um, I think Jill was thinking that if it gets to epidural, she might just skip straight to C-section. She's not sure yet. I don't not know. sure. Well, my um, wife was not planning on, so uh, yeah. probably TMI, but she, when you have a C-section, the first one, that's like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't do that. You know, yeah, that's where that. we are. It's, we yeah. have the same thing. So Yeah, my my daughter did not give us a choice, and my wife did that on pure air, and that was about it, as far as the medication was concerned. Oh, yeah, fun times. So that's does that, what does we... that cover our, our, our medical and mental health? Does that cover that for the, is that is that the shot for those who are keeping track Today. of home? And, uh, did we talk about my uh, therapy session yet? Has that been no, on the show? no, no, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, so I had the first one. We'll do my flight deck first then. So, so sure. me, what have you been up to in the last few weeks? Well, well, me, I <laughs> apparently I need to see a, a, a therapist because I talk to myself too much. Who, who knew? Shocking. You don't talk to yourself too much, Chris. It's fine. 
Um, it's only if you answer yourself, it becomes bad. That <laughs> when you get to the like the golem level of answering yourself, that's that's when you know things are bad. That's what he said. Hey. <laughs> um, my, my precious. Yeah, so uh, I'm not gonna. There wasn't really much to it. It was just sitting trying to chatting to a guy in a room. Uh, it, it wasn't like going to a therapist's office or anything. It's just in the community health center thing. Oh, uh, so just like a, a normal like meeting room space um and it, it was just funny because i i could feel all of the stuff that just is like normal to me and just my life as i'm talking about it to a therapist and he's taking notes i'm like yeah <laughs> this is gonna be an expensive hobby <laughs> uh, so right opening up with you know you gotta start off at the beginning so like uh you know my dad and mum have probably an accident being that she was like 17 when she had me. My dad was in his uh, like 22, I think, when they had me. So like, mm. Probably an accident there, you know. Probably. Then, that was an oopsie. Then, you know, not planned. Then they had a tumultuous relationship. So I bounced around. They broke up when I was young. Then my mum went and joined the Navy when, she was, when I was five and left with my dad. Oh, I didn't know I that. Yeah, well, it's just normal to me because I lived with my dad when I was growing up. I didn't but know your like, mom went to the Navy. I didn't know that. The, yeah. is, is that where the now? Now I'm not trying to act like your therapist, but is that where the military? Like, was that the thought for you joining the military came from? Is the fact you already had um, military in your fact, life? Probably like helped a lot because I saw what that it was a, a viable option. Yeah, but um, but like so that kind of thing, and then um, but you know, like we're not five minutes in, and it is just like two pages worth of notes i'm like yeah all right but, all right to be fair yeah. having, having gone through this before there's the first couple of things where they need to take like the cursory notes like they need to kind of get to know you i so i think i we probably did this off the air i don't think we did this on the show but those first couple of sessions are going to be getting to know you and what we're trying to work on kind of things yeah, yeah it was like it was fine i'm not going too in depth or anything like that with it but it was i just find it like the entire process of it so we we're talking about it, and one of the things he said is that you seem very like self cognizant of what's going on, and like aware of how you feel. And I'm like, yeah, I don't like, I don't feel like this is going to be groundbreaking or anything like that. But equally, I'm not opposed to doing it. I will do the work and see what happens, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was interesting, uh, but <laughs> it just. It kind of hammers home how fucked up everyone, everyone in the world is. There is no normal, so that was fun. Yep, fun times. Um, yeah, so there you go. That's my flight deck now. Um, I played X Wing. Oh, yeah, actual game. Not not really too relevant. I'm not playing any 40k, so you know we can't talk about that. Not yet. um... Not yet. (laughs) You know, it's it's too bad. It's too bad. There's no lack of focus x-wing show or anything you know to talk <laughs> about x-wing i know yeah. Too bad we have to do oh really it's fine strictly gaming so you can still talk absolutely yeah mm-hmm. um i played in a tournament that i was running and came last so it's a good job on an x-wing podcast anymore because i'd lose all of my quite chips uh I'd have to start my collection of quite again i don't know what is that necessarily true like were, so were you pl- did you pay in to play in during tournament or were you playing so, oh, some... so we did it as a fundraiser so that uh made, raising money for a club but yeah i did i paid for the tables and everyone else put money into the jar 
So well, I was right, so actually I my, playing. Oh, right. you were actually probably going to say, yeah. were, my question was, I, were you, I, I, had a re- a I had what I thought was a real list. Um, and it wasn't That's a list. Bad. It wasn't my dice. I was just a shitter. It was great. Turns out that having not played X-Wing for about two months while everyone else did play X-Wing um, meant that I made a bunch of mistakes, didn't really um, understand the interactions between the Razor Crest and Baba Frick and some of the new cards there. Ooh. So that just caught me massively off guard. Um, basically, you can stop for three turns in a row, um, and it's a white stop, so he still gets actions. Ooh. So the turn I expected him to move, and I positioned in such a way to be behind him meant i was actually in front of him at range one um and i didn't shrug off all the damage with my defender and lost riad and um then it was an uphill battle for that one and then um sorry matt i'm gonna i'm gonna softly blame matt for this one i i was in the store so i was like working as well uh, i had to go downstairs and grab some stuff i think i grabbed um something to eat and bring it back up but i was like um it's chance engagement for last scenario i don't really care about a rock just give me a nice open rock field mm-hmm. and then whatever was the instruction i gave to matt who was going to put my asteroids down for me because he had to buy that round while i went downstairs i came back and they'd just done a ring of asteroids around the central objective and remember when we used to talk about how you could handle phantoms and like the the, re- the center ring to block the phantom decloaks it was that only I didn't want anything like that. And my opponent was running um, trick shot proton torpedoes on two of his ships. So, and I have to go into the middle because that's where the central objective is. Yep. So um, I lost Riyad. So I needed, in my head, I was like, the best thing I can do is let him shoot a torp or two into a full health Riyad because she probably doesn't die. That's two torpedoes down then I can start kind of playing for position and just keep dancing with Riyad and get her out. But yeah, um, he rolled nine dice and Riyad was dead. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm not blaming the dice for that because I put her there to take those shots. And that, yep. right, you know what I mean? It's, that, that wasn't a dice thing. That, and my TIE fighters survived a little bit longer than they should, blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't have bad dice in that game. I just made bad... And I said, like, realistically, I should have just said, oh, we're not playing on these rocks and reset the rocks. But you I, should have, I should have done a bunch sport. of things. Yeah. Not, it was more like I just, I didn't know how bad it would be. I hadn't looked at Clay's list at the time. So I didn't really... Yeah. So I didn't look at any of my opponent's lists. I didn't, like, read anything. <laughs> So yeah, it it wasn't so much that I was bad; it was that I was bad and unprepared, and didn't put a lot of effort in. Apparently, I, you know, I didn't just cruise to wins. It was weird. Turns out people who practice do better. Hmm. Good um, safety tip, kids. Yeah. Then what else did I do? I played a game of God Tier, um, which is by Steamforge Games. It's a cool little miniatures board game. Like you. It's like area control and um how would you describe it? It's it's good. Like you you pick three different heroes and each hero has some followers and you have four different colours of like um I don't know what you call it now. Um I can't think of words, like types of champions. So you've got 
Slayers who gain bonus points for killing other champions. Maelstrom champions gain bonus points for killing other minions. Um, Guardians gain more points for defending the banner. And um, Shapers, I think it is, gain more points for placing a banner. So the way the game works is each turn, the person who's gained the most points in that turn wins that turn. Then you reset to zero points. Turn one is worth one point. Turn two is worth two points. Turn three is worth three points. Mm. Turn four is worth two points. And turn five is worth one point. And it's first five. That's interesting. Yeah. So the first one to get to win five match points or whatever, or game points, I don't know, wins the game. So I won turn one. So I had one point. And then I lost turn two and turn three. And the game was over. Damn it. Yeah, pro- probably shouldn't have peaked so early. And um, again, that's a game I've not played since it was re- it was like a pre-COVID release, and then COVID kicked really, uh, the legs out from under it. But it's it's a really fun game. I, I really like that mechanic of playing for rounds and kind of planning your interactions because, like, if you've got a champion who can help someone else move, and then you've got your really killy person who's slow. So you just do these obvious combos that are designed to be used. But um, yeah, and it's cool. They're fun to paint as well. I've painted a couple of them on stream in the past because like, the champions are all like giant models and then the other ones are normal sized. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Steamforge Games um, make it. So it's good. that They did um, Guild Ball, which I painted for you, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, I, was that, that was that want to be Blood Bowl kind of game. I, I heard know. it was good though. It was. It was actually very fun to play. I think it just it was a very hard game to support because they were trying to do it by seasons, and I think they oh. just kind of. I don't know if they ran out of ideas or what, but it just it started to hit the point where, like every game does, where everything starts to, the, the the creep is too big, and I don't think they could reel it back in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I I didn't really put, get to play. I looked at it a bunch of times, but again, I only have a finite amount of time, so I, it was the one I never got to pick up and play. But, right. Um, God Tea is fun because all like, they all come in a pre-cored plastic, so you don't really, and it's going to lead into a main topic. Main topic but, tonight. Um, uh, like you don't really have to paint them because uh, it's clear what everything is, and it, it you could argue that it's more. Um, and I'm really struggling for words today. The clarity is better if you don't paint the models because it's obvious that the red guys are red plastic, so you don't want them to kill your champions. So, like by painting them, you'd lose some clarity. But yeah, um, I played a game of. <laughs> Yeah, I played a game of Necromunda, um, which I lost. Um, so that was great. Doing well, love. Again, not played Necromunda for like six weeks. So I lost at that as well. Um, I lost, yes, yeah, so I lost at X Wing. I lost at, um, at God Tier. I lost at um, Necromunda. Necromunda. Yeah, I, play, I didn't play Warcry, but I did manage to finish painting the Warband with Rot My Creed. That I started on stream, but I really didn't like the paint job in the end. So that's kind of a loss. <laughs> yeah, um, I know that feeling. I, they're sat in the in the display cabinet of all the demo stuff at work, and 
I, I walked past them uh, yesterday, uh, no, Tuesday. And I was like, you know what? They look fine. But they look fine in the cabinet when I've stopped thinking of them as mine now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's fun. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I've not been doing too great on my gaming at the minute. Um, I played like 10 minutes worth of Monster Hunter World. I played half an hour's worth of um, Horizon Zero Dawn. I've been doing a lot of kind of cleaning, organizing, sorting, trying to get at the basement ready to go. A bunch of bonus stress for the the business that they've got. The, the meeting should be tomorrow morning to see if I'm going to get some business funding um, so that I can kick on with Dice Hit and try to do some more cool stuff. Oh, that so sounds I've, like fun. Well, I've because I'm a moron, I've prepped all of that and got a bunch of stuff ready under the assumption it's going to work, but they dropped an, like two weeks ago, I'd done all of the paperwork and everything was fine. And then on Monday, I think it was, I got emails from two different people involved in the actual process, both of them saying they needed completely different things that I hadn't done. I'm like, oh, oh. that's lovely. Yeah, well, you, the meet, I knew we were meeting tomorrow as well, so that was just stressful. Um, and yeah, obviously, baby time. So Joe's mum and dad arrived yesterday as well. So last night, I actually um, had like two or three drinks just in the basement on my own. I watched, because um, that's how sad my life is now. No, I mean, no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, it was really, I was ch- chatting to Joe this morning. They actually slept in the basement last night and just, I lived down here, uh, but we'll get there. Um, I was like, it's really weird. Are nice because I didn't feel like I had to be ready for something to go wrong, or other pe- other like grown ups in the house. Yeah, so if something so happens, I felt like I could work. just I could have a, an evening where I could just do what I wanted to. So I walked. I had I didn't drink all. I had like two glasses of Jack Daniels, but I watched. I I say I watched. I sped watched um, Star Trek the Motion Picture. Uh, I went back and watched... Great movie. Uh, Great movie. I love that movie. But we're not done yet, guys. I spent a long time doing things that were probably pointless. But yeah, I watched Star Trek Motion Picture to about 90% of it the way through. I was like, you know what? I don't care about Vega, Vija, whatever. We want to see Rafa Khan is what we actually want to watch. But I was That's like, if I'm going to watch Rafa Khan, I should watch um, Space Seed. So I found the original series episode with Khan in it. So I was like, I've never seen this episode, I don't think. So I watched the, the original series episode with Khan in it. Then I watched Wrath of Khan. Then I watched Search for Spock. And I was like, I'm pretty tired now, so I'm going to get in bed and watch Troy. <laughs> Jeez. Because Troy is just a quick, you know, bite-sized morsel of a movie. Yeah. Taking into account, I started this journey about 9.30 at night. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So I was up until like 4 a.m watching draw good good for you that's called relaxing yeah. i'm on my yeah, better was... song click kick right now i no, never actually I... watched the show i think i remember watching the parts of the first season and just kind of abandoned it but it's on netflix i heard that season six is out and done which means it's a complete series as our friends at ffg would say uh it's a complete uh game or a complete series i'm like all right i'm gonna sit down and watch this and see what all the hubbub was about and oh House of the Dragon, by the way, came out. I don't know if anyone saw it. I kind of liked it. <laughs> so, did, so did She-Hulk. I watched episode one of She-Hulk. I 
passed on that one. I'm done with the superhero genre for a bit. I'm like, like I probably watch the new uh, Deadpool movie when it comes out, but like just something about it just. Eh. Spider Man did it for me. Like I'm like okay, so I had Endgame and all these other movies that were like eh, and then Spider Man came out and I'm like all right, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> I got to see Tobey Maguire in the suit again. I'm all right. Yeah, well, I suppose I can end my flight deck and I'll throw it over to you, Ed, while you're um, sure. flying along. I don't have a ton. Um, I got another game in with the sisters. I played against Custodes, um, and I think that game lasted two and a half turns. <laughs> um, I then mo- it, it was a c- calamity of errors um, on my opponent's uh, part. I So, all right, this is what's happening to me. Every weekend without fair, and I know you've made fun of him, but I still love the channel. Uh, I watch War Games Live. So he's at some city somewhere covering some tournament. So that's like my Sunday afternoon football can kind of be on in the background, even if I'm not really watching it. I'm kind of watching it kind of thing while I'm doing something else or clean the house or doing something else. So I've been picking up a lot of tactics. Day one that he does is usually the fun stuff. Like, what are the coolest? What are the cool looking armies? Let's get those on. But day two is usually the the top end table. And you're watching that throughout. So I've been picking up an awful lot of strategies and I can feel it. I can feel it in my chest and in the back of my brain as I'm starting to pick the game apart and starting to see things on that that next level up. The more than just casual, but you're not quite at the hyper-professional, everything's got to be perfect. I'm starting to see those next level strategies of, oh, I see what he's doing. I see the little triangle that he's making, that he's getting all the objectives so he can get all of his primaries. And he specifically has units in his list that are strictly there. I just hit my mic. I'm sorry. Uh, Units that are strictly there just to catch this secondary or that secondary. I'm like, oh, okay. So that's what I have been doing. And then, of course, I take those thoughts to the game store and I'm like, I have... 11 multi melta guns in my list with and you have custodians who are really really good but you can only really hold two objectives with like three guys and i can beat them by rain of fire and then i can just point to that center objective and say come at me bro everything you want can come in the center and then i'm just going to rain <laughs> hellfire on you with multi meltas and when you don't make your invul saves oh look miracle die there's six wounds that guy's dead oh miracle die there's five wounds that guy's dead and <laughs> start picking them off um so it was a really short game fun game short and then i got did you both with- had fun I hope so. I wasn't trying to do that. Like I was just trying to do like, it wasn't even, it was a basic strategy. So the two basic strategies that I've laid down for playing sisters in ninth edition are to do the little triangle. Cause everyone's going to have an objective in there, at least one objective on their side. Your opponent's always going to have at least one on their side. And, and most of the missions you it's hold one objective for four points, hold two or more objectives for four points and then hold more than your opponent for another four to get your 12 throughout. And then there's some other mission bonus to go through that. So if you just draw a triangle on the board, I've got one, I've got two, that's eight points. And if I can hold that center objective, that's usually 12 points. You're usually maxing out your primaries. So it's very similar to how games of X-Wing are working right now. Whenever, if you're not paying attention to the points, how the game can get away from you really, really quick. Okay, I scored yeah. 12 on here, you scored 4. I scored 12 on mine, you scored 4. All of a sudden, I'm up 24 to 4. We haven't even talked to 24 to 8, and we haven't even talked about secondaries that I'm scoring over here, over here, and over here. Like, it just racks up that quick. And it's almost down to the point, like, it doesn't even matter if units of mine die. 
because that's what they're designed to do. They're designed to go out, hold an objective, get me three, uh, get me three or four um, victory points for that one turn, and then if they die, they die. Like, it, so I'm just starting to see the game on that level. I had a very similar. So my point is, so that game goes quick. I hope Scott had fun. He, we had a lot of laughs. We joked around a lot. But whenever you only bring like 14 models total, that's the one thing that I, I I've never been a gigantic fan of elite armies. Elite armies sound in principle like a good idea. Oh, this guy's got a two up save and a four up in, or a three up invul save, and he's got seven wounds and he's toughness six. Always oh, in a but volley of dice. Eventually, you're gonna roll those ones. Eventually, you're going to roll those ones, twos, and threes on your invul saves, and eventually they're, they're just going to die. They can just die to a volley of fire. And Sisters Repentia, oh my god, are they a nightmare for for a very small amount of points for an eighty-five to ninety-five point uh, unit to just throw them at a three hundred and fifty point army unit and they go away. They die the next turn, but it's a trade. I mean, those are some of the things that we've talked about in other games, X-Wing being one of them for a lot of our audience. If I can trade a 95-point unit for your 350-point unit, I win. More of my army is still on the board versus yours, and then over time it just kind of wears down. Um, my second game was basically the same thing. I felt so bad. I got two, I got two games of 40K in in less than two hours, where it was literally just... Good speed running it. Where it was just literally, all right, thanks, Scott. I'm gonna play Mike now. Re-rack. Mike brings his eleven chaos knights, and I all right, this is probably too much. I'm probably going too far. So I at one point in time I got one of those three 3D printed uh things for keeping track of score and how do you do a score for 40k. You got these little dials, it's all cute, and it kind of goes to my Necrons thing. The yeah. first season was primary objectives i just went through it four fours and fours the first season was five fives and five so all of the dials and stuff were toned in for numbers of five five ten fifteen twenty going around there well in the last two seasons they've changed to four points so i can't use it anymore so what i did is i went ahead and just printed one of those tournament score sheets not because i'm playing in a tournament just because it's really easy to be able to look at my objectives my secondaries and go oh these are the secondaries i have these are the points i'm trying to score these are the points that you score. I can see the score as the game goes on. And then I save those. And on the back, I write notes. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. And I looked at my notes before I went to play Mike and go, okay, the last time I played Mike, I had my sisters, I had my um, retributors with all my melty meltos sitting in ruins. His knights walked up and completely blew them away. I still won the game, but it was a much, much harder game to win at that point. So in this one, I just held them back for a turn behind a behind a piece of ruin where he couldn't shoot them so whenever he came out to the center on his first turn on their next turn they move forward and i blew away six knights on the first round of shooting and that was half of his army (laughs) that's all right because that means in his notes he needs to write down oh man if i don't deal with those multi-melters they wreck me oh and don't get me wrong eventually eventually he did wear them down but i had done significant sufficient amount of damage that that i could just do all of my secondaries and he couldn't stop me from doing it because he just simply didn't have the units to stop me from doing anything yeah i think part of the problem in games like 40k and x-wing is the um (laughs) this is just for uk audience lack of bounce back ability yes Uh, like the the snowball can be pretty hard I find that because 40k is um, my turn, your turn, rather than, I, I mean, it, it it's an I go, you go, but in my head, that's an alternating activation, which isn't right. what it is. And it's, it's not, it's it's not what it turns. is. Yeah. So I think that it's one of the things that is a legacy of 
40k is past is that it's an IGO UGO system rather than alternating activations. Because I'm, I'm just to bring it back to God tier again. Sure. God tier is um, let me. I'll probably get this the wrong way around, but you have a planning. Each card has got two sides. There's a planning phase side where each they've got a, a movement value. Um, and then they have a conflict phase side or something like that, or a battle phase side, which they have a, another movement value again. Sometimes it might be slower, sometimes it might be faster. But um, I think the planning phase is I do my entire turn, you do your entire turn. Then we move on to a conflict phase, which is alternating activations. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so like I can do all of my positioning, you do all of your positioning. And there aren't many damaging abilities in that part of the game, but there are, there are some. And then you move on to the actual fighting side of it, and then there's less movement and more attacks come into play. But um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. I wonder, I wonder what the game would be like if you did alternating, because I'm trying to think like every phase of the game, from the command phase, movement phase, psychic phase, charge assault and morale if you did all of the phases like i picked the unit this is the one that's going to go but then your opponent got to pick one like i'm kind of curious to see how that would change like it would completely change strategies in the game so i think in my opinion the best balanced game that games workshop ever made was um that was a mass battle game uh was uh, epic armageddon and that has the alternating activations yeah, and I think, and it's very objective focused. It's very similar to how Forty K scores objectives now, uh, where, but the objectives were always in the same positions. So it didn't matter how you laid the table out. There's always being in the, like because it's done as measurements from your board edge kind of thing. You need to be within six inches of your opponent's board edge is points. Being in the center is points. As an objective, you know you can do this. So these fixed ways of scoring points always exist, um, and yeah, it was really good. I liked it. I liked it a lot, but I, I don't so. know how much of forty k suffers from that because the snowball is harder to turn around. So that that is a good question. So legitimately, there's a there's a debate in the quote unquote competitive community on that because if you pick up the main rule book. That's not the rules that play by the main rulebook as far as scoring is concerned, as far as the missions in the main rulebook are concerned. Um, these are due to the fact of the tournaments, the, the tournament packet they put out every year. Every season they do something different. Every season they do something new. And this is that's how that has changed over there. And I agree with you in that the, the games, there's two flaws, I think. Uh, you're right. The game can be very swingy in the very early game. And it's entirely possible for someone to get really, really high up very, very quickly in points. And there's not a lot of turns. There's only five turns to a game. So if by turn two, you've maxed out some of your secondaries and you've gotten almost all of your primary points, it's going to be really difficult for your opponent to swing back and catch up to that. So you are right. So that's kind of that, that balance. Like it, It's the same thing with like chess, white goes first. Like whoever has that first turn. I would argue whoever whoever has second turn in 40k actually has the, the advantage um, because everyone wants to go out and try to score those objectives, which means I need to stand on this objective and wait and hope that my unit survives your crap. Yeah. And because I've moved closer to you, I've made it easier for your units to be able to come in and assault and take that. So like there's the, the it's the, always the first meaningful round of engagement generally decides 40k games. 
Right. Exactly. I tend right. to I, I tend to agree with that. And you're right. It is a little bit swingy. Um, these two games were probably a little too swingy. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, it's you're going to do a different show about it, so I don't want to dig. Yeah, too no, deep, I will dive to it. Like, um, what I will say is, you've, you've armies, already small model count armies. I don't think yeah. do well in the current environment. Yeah, I'll, I'll but, like you, you've made relatively clear to me, at least from the way you've spoken about it, is that your level of competitiveness is higher than that of your communities. So, like the relative isn't supposed to sound disparaging. No, no, no. The no, relative no. skill levels might be the same, or like you might be a worse player than some of them, but they just don't care enough to do the work. So. So. This is it's interesting you say that because Gabriel and I had this conversation on the drive back and I said what I used to do I used to be that guy I used to be the guy that came to the game store had the the most recent meta list this is the one that's winning tournaments because back in those days I was doing a lot of tournament play and I wanted to get my practice games in that's how I, that's how I was getting my practice game and what I found is the amount of attending people that were showing up to the show was less and less and less because they didn't want to play me. So I flat out asked people and they're like, well, yeah, I mean, you're a great guy to hang out with, but like, I just don't want to play that list. Like I know I'm going to lose to that list. It's no fun for me. So what I think I need to do is the strategy that I did back then, which is I have two lists. I have this list that I'm practicing with to be a little bit more competitive. And then I have this list here. That's just full of fun stuff that I want to play with. Which one would you rather play? And then literally I have all my lists printed out and I'll pick whichever one you want to play. That's the one we'll play. Now, luckily for me, Mike, the guy that played the list, he was practicting his chaos Knights list for tournaments. So that one was the list, the start, um, the custodian guy probably should have gone a little lighter on him and maybe done that. So that's my homework assignment over the weekend. Since I still have battle scribe on my iPhone, since it got removed from the Apple store um, uh, is to build a fun non-competitive play with the rest of your toys list of sisters so that i can offer my opponent a choice yeah here's here's the fun list it's not necessarily competitive but it's still sisters and then here's the one that's pretty good yeah yeah Yeah. beyond that i don't think i did much of anything else exciting um i i meant to do some painting uh, I did paint, um, not what I was anticipating. Uh, we did uh, end up uh, painting the bathroom. Uh, so, I mean, I applied paint. To, some paint got applied to two things. Um, they weren't small sisters of battle, but paint got applied to things. Wow. And then this yeah. past weekend, we had plans, and I completely shot my any shot I had of painting. So I think I've got a free weekend this weekend, aside from a haircut and mowing the lawn. I think I'm good. Uh, so I might try to – I need to get back on the horse, because if I don't, I can already feel it draining out of me. Also kind of leading into the main topic for night for painting, um, me, I hit highs and lows whenever it comes to painting. I'm either really, really into it, and I want to do it, and it lasts for a few weeks, and then once it's gone, it's gone for a couple of weeks, and I kind of have to ride that wave back up to try to catch up. And if yeah. I don't catch it now, I'm, I, I I won't touch a paintbrush for weeks. No, I, I wanted to get um, more. So I finished the Rotmeyer Creed. I wanted to get Mortarian done for a touch-up to that commission I've got. And I need, I've got two units of Pike Infantry for Legion that I wanted to get done this month. And it's the 25th already. It is. Like, Gabriel finished his Mortarian. Just, he, just threw, he finished. He was so happy. I'm so proud of it. 
followed that Duncan Rhodes video to a T. It looks really good. Uh, I I'll have to take pictures once I'm done. But yeah, it's just there's not too much to do on it. I just I need to sit down and actually start. It's right. The new area is set up, and I did that test stream, and it seemed okay quality wise. Yeah, no, I um, like it. So yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, anything else said? Hand it no, to Sean. I, I'm good. Kicking the ball in Sean's court. There you go, Sean. What have you been up to? Oh. Did he fall asleep? <laughs> I'm teasing. Did I bore him to death? Uh, his mic's not working. Aww. It's, it's unmuted now. There we go. Discord being fun. There we go. Nope. Can you there you are. Here you know. I don't understand what happens when, when I use my headphones. It just kind of loses it, and then I have to jump out and jump back in. It makes no sense. But anyway, right. my flight deck will be very short because I really haven't played much in the way of games. Um, my son's moving home, so it's literally deconstruct the house, move stuff, and then reconstruct what I have moved. So my computer is no longer in my command center. It's now out in the dining room. So I just have the big 49-inch monitor out here, which is, well, enough monitor to ever That's have. enough monitor, yes. Yeah. So, so I have that out here at my desk and all that. So that was kind of big project for this week was to vacate my office because that's going to be his bedroom. And so the majority of it has been as much as I can physically do. He's been coming over and we've been, we had to move the living re reverse the living room. So my Calac shelf went from the South side to the North side of the living room um, because he has a couch. So I had to have the space for the couch and, so that's the majority of what I've done over the last two weeks. I played, I think, maybe a little bit of Project Zomboid in there. Um, I bought a couple games that I haven't even touched yet as far as on Steam. And then I added two more, well, they're not the cabinets, or the party cades to the arcade downstairs. And then I, what did I play? I played a little bit, did I play? I played a few arcade games. I just can't remember which ones I played. Um, and then that's basically it for me. That truly looks so cool. Oh, it's going to look even better when I, I have a mod for it. So I'm going to replace the what what would be the top panel over the screen. And I'm going to install a... It's like one of those picture viewer things with Ooh. live pictures. And so it's a kit that I bought. And it upgrades so that you have... a an MCP that spins above where the monitor is. So it'll it'll look really cool once it's done. It's really hard to explain, but it'll look really good when it's done. Um, and then I still have five cabinets that I have downstairs to build. Um, I've had to put that on delay just because of everything going on. Um, and then I decided I'm going to kind of change how I have the pinball machines and stuff. So they're going to be off the platform I built and then all the cabs will be on the platform. And I think if my math is correct, I will be able to fit almost 20 arcade machines in my arcade as it stands now. Wow. Yeah. So right now, what do I have? I have three, four, seven, Eight, nine, and uh, so I have nine, nine built, 
I have five that are not built, two pinball machines, and then for right now, two more cabs coming in at some Jeez. point. So I think that'll be 14 or 15 that I'll have total. And it's like a mini arcade. I showed my son last night. I turned on all the machines that are set up right now, with the exception of the pinball machines. And when you turn the lights out, it looks and sounds like an arcade. So <laughs> it's like, and I, I sent those pictures to you guys to see yeah. um, wh- where I'm at. And that's just the, so that's on the south side of the house of the basement and that's just the one side so far complete so that's completely filled in yeah yeah it's gonna it'll be really good once i paint it and you know decorate it and put the rope lights up and some black lighting in. it'll look really really good as an arcade um you know and, and and it's gonna be it's a very small footprint when you get down to it you know it's it's only 16 feet long by eight feet deep so I can't fit, like if I had normal size arcade machines, I, I wouldn't even be able to fit, you know, even probably half as many in there. Right. Just because of the size. So the three-quarter sized arcade machines are really the perfect size for what I'm doing. And I have another machine coming from another company that's kind of like, almost like a console style arcade machine. It has a lot of console games on it, but that's kind of an indie platform. So a lot of developers are, are making games and then and then putting them out on that machine. So I think that's pretty cool to have new development machines. Um, I have I'll have three machines that are basically the same. The pinball machine is an at games pinball machine, which I can play arcade games on too. It's a 32 inch digital monitor and and then I put a digital, which I'll show you guys once it's done. I'll tape, do videos of stuff, but it has a, a digital marquee that changes to what games I'm playing, stuff like that. Uh, but that you can play the pinball machines, and then you can play, like I, I'll play vertical shooters on them instead yeah, of... Yeah, you talked about that before. I, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, that that once it's done, I'm really excited just to be able to have all of the apps access so like i have one machine my at games the big the big machine that sits in the middle on that side of the wall that has damn near every arcade game on it you know i could have just bought that and been happy with it you know but then it's not it really a, you <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it wouldn't be me um you know and then having you know the cool thing about it is like i have the re-release it's the arcade one-ups nfl blitz legends which is a re-release of NFL Blitz without without the the late hits. Aww. So you got to remember though, the NFL is big on you know CTE now and all yeah. the head injuries and you know basically trying to turn it into flag football. So to get you know to, to be able to release to be able to release it, they had to. Basically, it's what the NFL wanted. You know, if you're going to release an, an an arcade game today in a cabinet that's labeled with NFL Blitz with the NFL logo, with NFL trying to get all the or the NFL PA, yada, yeah, yada. you know, and it, and it will not. Just like NBA Jam doesn't have like the re-release of NBA Jam doesn't have all the players because once again, players' likenesses are licenses. So yeah, notoriously doesn't have the original one. Notoriously didn't have um, Shaquille O'Neal in it. 
Well, so no, it did have Shaquille O'Neal. It didn't have Jordan. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, it was Jordan that there wasn't. So original. Jordan was in the original was release. Yeah. yeah, the originally it was Jordan and Pippen, and then Jordan pulled out of it because it's Jordan. You know, he's Jordan. So I don't remember who they went to, you know, but they went to another player. Horace Grant. I remember it was Pippen. Yeah. Yeah. I so, was, what, sorry, I, I was reading about um, why Kirsty Alley didn't reprise the role of Sharet, uh, Sarek as well. Oh, um, yeah. She wanted too much yeah. money, wasn't it? Wasn't that the story? But so apparently I, that that's what um, Nimoy said. But obviously her, her story was that like, they she didn't get a counter offer or anything like that like they've she thought we were still talking and he was like oh, i think we're done but yeah they they offered her one thing she said what about this and then they just stopped talking oh that's yeah. interesting yeah that's that means she had a bad agent yeah basically <laughs> um, like, if you all the stories from the first film about her being a massive track nerd and everything so she that's why she wanted to do her. it yeah. yeah, you know, but that, that's kind of like that, that's like Kim Cattrall being in, you know, the last one yeah. too. You know, it was a big deal, but you know, thank God they stopped making movies because that crew got too old. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, I'm. Oh, go ahead. No, because I was just gonna. I'm a big fan of Cheers, so you know, I like. Oh. Yeah. yeah. See, I wasn't a big fan of Cheers. I loved. I know this is so stupid. This is so dumb. I loved her in the Look Who's Talking movies. Her and John Travolta, when before John Travolta's career came back, I remember, and this is probably because of my childhood, I remember watching that movie like a hundred times. It had to have been Bruce Willis did the voice of the baby. Yeah. I, I loved her in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, she was good in some things, not so good in other things. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I think her role in Cheers was weird to me because uh, didn't she, she replaced Shelley Long, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, she. It wasn't like a recasting as much as the the characters written out and then a new one. Yeah, written in. yeah. yeah. Back and in those days, they didn't do the recastings. They just wrote the character off. They killed them off or something like that, and waved their hand. And the next, you know, here's this new character. Yeah, and <laughs> I, Diane I comes back. I'm sure it was Diane. Yeah, it was Diane. Yeah, yeah. For the last season, I think they did. That was a big yeah. deal. Oh, yeah. let's see, <sighs> happier times. <laughs> <laughs> But that was just yeah. around the time that my mum abandoned me to join the earth for uh, the navy. You know, <laughs> happier times. There you go. One of but the no, greatest, one of the greatest theme songs of any TV show ever. I I, I, yeah. I own that on vinyl. Ooh, the I, extended I, one. Not the one that the air. The one that actually the full yeah, song. The, the full song I, on vinyl. Yeah. I have the single. I also think it's probably one of the best roles Woody Harrelson had early on. Oh it's God, just, yeah. I mean, no acting required. It's just Woody Harrelson. Yeah, just he just, he just walked on set and just was him. Yeah, just him. Uh, I just he replaces I, Coach, doesn't he? He replaced no, no, Coach. No. Yeah, I don't think he replaced Coach. I, I no, think. I, I, well, because the actual actor died. The the actor himself. Had I think died. they're both in it at the same. Uh, they're both in it at the same bit, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh, he okay. kind of replaced the role of Coach as the comic relief style. You know. Yeah. Because because Coach, you know, Coach was always going back to, he was kind of like the jog Sam Malone's memory from baseball, you know, and all of yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Which was always the humor side of it. I just yeah. got done rewatching Natural Born Killers since we're talking Woody Harrelson. Love that movie. 
Yeah, there you go. There's me instigating a tangent, Sean. You can have it back. Sorry. There you go. There you go. We were going to make this a short show just in case labor happened. Remember that. Just throwing yeah. that out there. Um, but other than that, you know, um, I haven't done a lot. I have to do a lot of basement cleaning because I had to shift, you know, an entire side of the basement to the other side to do this. Uh, you know, and all this was at the beginning done to accommodate my son moving home, but then it kind of spiraled like everything I do does and became a full-blown arcade. And, you know, now it's now it's coming to fruition and I'm excited to, to do it. And I'm hoping, and everybody keep your fingers crossed, that uh, Arcade 1-Up is going to release Burger Time again in its own cabinet. Oh, because, I love that game. Because I think they only did, they did a numbered amount of cabinets. So they were all numbered cabinets. They had Karate Champ and two other games on. Bad Dudes was on it. And another game that I had never heard of, excuse me, before was on it. And so if they release that, that'll be the next cab that I buy would be the Burger Time cab. So I'm excited, you know, just to get NFL Blitz in and the last cabinet, which the IRK cabinet is the indie cabinet one. And it's actually will be my second Dragon Slayer cabinet because it's, it's got the graphics for Dragon Slayer on it and stuff. So, other I than that, had, I thought I saw you had a Dragon Slayer one. I do. I, I have the arcade one-up version of Dragon Slayer, and uh, then I'll have the IA arcade version of Dragon Slayer. I have a cat going nuts here. He's I can hear. At me. Yeah, yeah. He 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 thinks he needs T R E A T S's, but uh, it's not that time. <laughs> So. I love how we all universally know that dogs can't, or dogs and cats can't spell. <laughs> we do yeah. it all the time. Hey, can yeah. you take the dogs O U T? You don't say it because otherwise they're all going. Oh, you said the magic word. Exactly. You said it, and then I'll have two cats reacting to it. So. Yep. Yeah. So, but that's pretty much my flight deck. Um, hopefully, on the next show, my son will be moved in, and that'll be what will that be? That'll be next week's Labor Day weekend, right? Yes, for, for us Nova America. Open weekend. Yep. So hopefully that. It's funny weekend... that my brain associates labor with Nova. It's always the same. And I remember talking to Mike Brandt about this. Oh, because everyone's got a three-day weekend. It's the great way, great time to do it. Go out and hang out right. with some friends. There's a cool cat right there. If you ever get the opportunity for whatever game you ever want to go play, Nova Open, hang out with Mike Brandt. Totally worth it. I don't think he's he's not running it anymore, is he? Oh, he's not. I heard that I think he might have stepped down. Are they still doing the charity work for the Brandt Foundation, though? I have no idea. It's I just I just heard through the grapevine. That now I want to know because if it's yeah. not if Mike's not there, I don't remember. It's still a fantastic. Roy, event. I don't I don't think Roy's doing it either anymore. It's still a fantastic event. So regardless whether or not Mike's there, you should still go. But that was always a treat to be able to see. And like Mike, that's how Mike that's how he ran the event. Like. He's a very extroverted person, so he would literally just roam through the room saying mm-hmm. hi to everyone. Is there, are you having a good time? Like, he, such a cool cat. Such a cool cat. Yep. But anyway, Chris, that is the end of my flight deck for this uh, this show. So I will hand it back to you. Yeah. So uh, was there any GW news you wanted to go over, Ed? Uh, sure. Oh. Real quick. Uh, they are still doing it is still through the Nova Open Charitable Foundation. So Mike is still technically involved. But if he's not going to be there, that's kind of sad. Um, the only thing coming up 40K wise, uh, the Chaos Codex, Chaos Demons Codex is due out. Uh, it 
maybe out there early. That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> um, they're one of the. They're, it's one of the things I've never been a gigantic fan of how GW does things is um, how they release this. I thought that they did the right thing whenever they shifted over to eighth edition. Um, they literally did a hard reset. All the codexes from 7th edition before were in, nullified. And when they started with 8th edition, they printed out these really quick, here's quick rules to get your army into the, into playing the game. And then over the years, we're going to go ahead and release codexes for it. But everyone was brought up to, up to speed with the 8th the edition rules. Um, how it works with in other editions past, this one included, is when Ninth edition rolled out and the first two codexes that rolled out were the Necrons and were the, the Space Marines, um, everybody else had an old codex. Everybody else had eighth edition codex. So you're still writing, you're playing with a book from the previous edition of the game in the current edition of the game, and they're not jiving. And Chaos Demons is one of the ones that has genuinely struggled um, in ninth edition. So they finally, finally, finally get their get their ninth edition codex with news coming out that something big is coming out of the Nova open next weekend. And everyone's thinking that's going to, they're going to announce 10th edition. So of course that's what they're going to do to demons. Enjoy your ninth edition codex for a few months. And then we're going to talk about 10th edition. I got um, the fifth edition, maybe yeah. Fifth edition Warhammer fantasy wood elf codex that I was waiting for. Um, and then they announced- still, so, well, it was fifth edition was still 25% uh, minimum troops. Yep, yep, uh, I remember that, those rules. That era. Um, and then sixth edition was the first of the um, filling out um, compulsory slots and having like minimum whip for rank bonus, like the four rank, four wide for rank bonuses and mm-hmm. changing up exactly how the game played. Um, so, I don't think I even got a year out of my Wood Elf Codex. It's very sad. I got, I don't know that I even got that. So I had been playing on the fourth edition Necron Codex when fifth edition came out, and they sucked the entirety of fifth edition to the very tail end. The last fifth edition Codex to be released was the new Necron Codex. We were the end of the line, and they had already announced sixth edition so of course they're like oh well this book was designed with sixth edition in mind bullshit that's what i don't get because that's the only thing i don't like about warhammer because you know i went through it with with uh fantasy you know is what they should do in my opinion is so i don't how many races are there in 40k Oh God! So it's like well, just, just 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 give me you know ballpark twenty two maybe. Okay, so so you're gonna put out what twenty two codexes? Yeah, and it takes them about so it's a cycle. It, it, it's a developmental yeah, get, cycle. It takes them about three years to get all the way through all the books, unless right. they add new factions like they're doing now. They're adding the leagues of Oton. so it takes them about three three and a half years to get all the way through the codexes, and they get to the end, boom, they do a new edition. So, I what I genuinely so, think they should do, they should shift these over to living rule books well Digital. either that you pay for you, it if you have to well but, you could do it like well they have warhammer plus right so you could subscribe right. to warhammer plus and new codexes come live and the rules you know the rules changes could all be done through you know the builder that warhammer builder that they have which would probably piss some people off that use like battle scribe and all those other things but you could literally do it that way but what 
you know, when they get to the completion of codexes, what they should do is the last four codexes they write should be written for the next edition. Right. So it's 32, by the way, it's, I'm not even close. It was 30. There are 32 factions in 40 K right now. Yeah. And how many, how many actually get books? Do all 32 get books? All, all, all 32 get books. There of are some sort of some sort of some sort. So like, for example, space Marines, some of the big chapters get their own book. Um, some right. get supplements. So yeah, for like, example, like thousand sons, thousand sons gets a supplement to a major codex. Right. Well, I think well, they, I think got got their, they got their own. I'm thinking more like something own. like space wolves, for example. So yeah. you had to buy. So for my space wolves army, I had to buy the space Marine codex and, and the, the, and the space because i did the same with. thing with ultramarines i had to buy the ultramarines codex. precisely precisely so so really and truthfully that's that's space what they should are a, do first are, are a like a legion like yeah i don't understand why they're a supplement well in in and that's the thing that bothers me is because you know when you get towards the end of these lines like here's the deal i have astra militarum are they going to get a full codex they're still uh, we haven't even we've we've seen a couple of new models that are coming in the next uh they're probably gonna be the last ones to be perfectly honest with you if i had to take a guess astro military is gonna be the last ones and they're gonna get to enjoy about two to three months before whatever before 10th edition is and that's what's frustrating that's what's frustrating to me because you know in this whole time they're working on 10th edition sure you know so when and you then keeping those... in mind, they'll refresh they did this for, they've done this for the last two editions they'll probably do it for this one too they'll release a 2.0 version of the space ring codex. Okay. So I'll just put out the, the, is it still as big as a deal as it used to be now that the general's handbook is a thing or chapter proves a thing? So what that is, is, a is it, is it not effectively like it, edition like eight, eight point one, eight point two, eight point three. Yeah. That, and that is a fair point. And it genuinely so, is because they do like, adjust the points. They do add some new rules. Um, it can be so argued really quick, that, so, so that I understand you're talking about the little books that kind yeah, of give you the yearly updates. They call it like Mark. This one's 21. Yeah. So I had the mission so, pack and then the 2022. That's, that's the, what you're talking about. Nephilim pack how long, uh, they do do a good job of that. You are right. So a genuine question. How long did Iron Hands get to enjoy being Iron Hands? Um, towards the tail end of eighth, you're talking, or the beginning of uh, so when Iron Hands were the best army because it just come out and this is like the way they worked was really good. That like, did they? I don't even think they lasted like three months, did they? No, because the next that's the other problem that comes in that I I think uh, Sean might be kind of leading into is then there's codex creep is the next codex that comes out even stronger. The next code. Now it's, that having no, been said, did they not I'm... change? For, so you couldn't take, so if you bought these specific models for a specific army, like the points all changed and the way it worked changed. You so you couldn't do that army anymore. So like, what's the difference between that happening and a new edition coming out? I agree. Arguably. And I, I, I still stand by this statement. I think I've said it before. I'll say it again. The, 40k is in the best possible state that it's been since I've ever been playing it. You are correct in the fact that every six months they change points. You are correct in every year they release a balanced data sheet that, that changes. Oh, here's a, like my Necrons have gotten more and more. Like Necrons shot down from being one of the lower mid tier to probably D tier armies up to an A tier army almost overnight whenever they changed the rules because they saw issues with them and then they fixed them. You are correct. Can I, doing can I a ask much a question? Better rate, so, better rule. so I gotta I gotta ask this question. Why aren't all factions A tier? I don't think uh, it's so like, I can I can tell you, Sean. 
uh, because people, like, so if, if on the first iteration, the, like, I'm just going to pick numbers out of my ass. There are 10 different armies. Okay. Eight of them score are an eight. One of them, right, no, so eight of them are a five. One of them is a 10 and one of them is a one. Then you balance it so that, like, now, like, five of them are sixes and five of them are fours. I, is that I get more that. balance or less balance? But then, well, I then think you're, what, you're what closer to the middle. Yeah, but it's, it's still, that's less balance. Then one only one army being the best and one army being the worst. Now five armies are uh, equal to the worst. But then when you get n- like nine of them are a five, one of them's a six. Yeah, that's what then the you, then what happens is nine like eight of them will be a five, one of them will be a four point nine 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 recurring, and one of them will be a five point zero 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 one. That zero 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 one makes that one S to you. The other ones are all A tier, and then the other one's shit tier. Because that's the way tiering system works. That something always has to be the best, or will be S tier. It doesn't matter what the margin is. Because of the way humans work, that will always be uh, a best, and then... Un- understood, down. understood. But it's like, so when you're trying to, you know... To me, to me, if you're going to go to a new edition, that new edition... So when we go to 10th edition... That should be an addition that works on rebalancing. You know that. Yeah, I agree. Like handful things that are broken. Yeah, I disagree somewhat, but for reasons that you'll get to once you're finished. Well, and that's that's the thing is that like Space Marines, okay? So I've realized there is a ton of shit out there for Space Marines. Oh boy, is there! You know, and then there's less stuff out there for other factions. Yeah, like so. Here's a good example. So, uh, kill team. So, 40k universe kill team uses the same models. Blah blah blah. All that. When you look at the kill team book for what you can build for kill teams, Space Marines has tons of crap that you can do, but other ones will have specific models that you could use. Period. You know. Yep. And 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 that's you know. And I understand they're two different games in essence, but. But it's a good comparison that I have right now because I don't know enough about 40k to be able to compare. I can talk about fifth edition, or not fifth edition, but fantasy. You know, when I look at Warhammer Fantasy when I played, I played Bretonians, which <laughs> I just loved them because they were awesome. You know, they were cool. They had knights, they had horses, they had the Grail Knight, they had the Green Knight, they had all these cool things. But then, you know, you'd play against, you know, an army that had been updated and you just get slaughtered off the board because in that updating, they didn't balance. They just took basically that army and moved it up towards the top tier of the top tier army. And then everybody else suffers. There's always the conspiracy theorist thought process that it's the new army. They want to sell new models. So they make those models the best. They make them the cheapest. They know that going in. That they're gonna fix it like three months later. I don't think I don't buy. So that. what? What? So what? I what I think happens is that it's a company that survives on being able to sell models. Right. So it, if if two tactical squads and a predator is the best thing in the world, and ninety nine percent of your player base owns two tactical squads and a predator, chances are dreadnoughts are going to be good next edition. Because I need. I do you, you want there to be a next edition? Like if you don't want there to be another edition. And you're happy playing a dead game. Well, it doesn't fucking matter, does it? But no, no, no I, I totally understand. I, I get it. It's just 
That's one of those um, things. It's hard because we saw it. So let's go back to, you know, past life here in X-Wing. We saw it when everything started out and you had two factions and then they brought the third faction in that literally from the get-go, that faction was almost better than the first two factions that was in the game. Come on. Again, like, yeah. was it though? I think so. Like, but I, we were, I, I, I'm not disagreeing that we were good ships. What, I, what I'm saying is that were, how long... I think framing my point, sorry, because I, I obviously I jumped in and I kind of missed my staging sorry, point. Sorry. It's okay. Um, what is your expectation for how long the thing that you've got that you like and is good, how long should it be good for with zero changes? Well, I play the game, so so I can't answer that honestly because I don't play the game like Ed does. I don't play the game to. I'm not gonna say to net, to win because that's not a. True oh, well, what about your Bretonians then, Sean? How long should your Bretonian? How long should you been able to use the Arrowhead formation and the Lance formation and just dominated with those? And like, how long should that have been the best viable strategy in the game? Well, when I had them forever, you know, but I didn't. That's have them so like. So I mean, no matter know, what comes out, Bretonian should always be that good and always win. You should never. No, be I, I get where you're coming win. from. I, I get totally where you're coming yeah. from with that. You know, I'm, and that's not totally the question that I have. It's just like, and I understand the business model. So don't don't yeah. think I'm so, ignorant no, no, like, to the business what I, model. What I, what I mean, Sean, is that Bretonians were still viable, but maybe you needed a second trebuchet and some more peasants. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, I, like, I agree. I the, agree. The, way, the the game evolves, and that and that's yeah. you. You are one hundred percent correct in that something is going to come out and be better, but there are answers, and it's a balance between how much and the what the. I've never had that much of a problem with it because I've always gone into this kind of thing with my eyes open. So mm. a good example would be I did a fully converted um chaos army where every model had some level of conversion on it uh everything was mounted it was an msu style army so multiple small units i had like my chaos knights were all riding the white lions and it was like a sun actually themed army um and i knew going in that there was zero chance that this army would survive to the next edition of the game because i'd leaned so heavily into one extreme of what this book allowed it was impossible Right. The flip side of that coin is that I built a 4th edition 40k Dark Angels army that I used through to 7th edition 40k because okay. I took two tactical squads with rhinos, command squad with a Razorback, I had one of each of the different character HQ choices that I could play whichever one I wanted to. I had a Predator, I, I, so I had two troops, two fast attack, two elites, two heavy support, it was impossible for me to not be able to use that army. And it was never top tier, but it was never shit tier. Right. Because I, I made an army that was going to be evergreen. Yeah, and, and so, I get that. And I totally 100% understand that. But my big thing was, so here's a good example. When I when I go back to my Bretonian army, I bought the Green Knight. Cool yeah. character, right? But it was totally worthless in the edition we were playing because the... The other armies just, they were so much better at that point. By that point in time, they were so much better. And I still played it because A, I owned the model, and B, I liked what it did. I also wasn't one of those players that was playing to just dominate. You know, I played 
to have fun and I played to put these characters that I had, you know, the ones that I, I don't remember them all. It's too many years ago, Doug but Boy you know, and the green Knight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you know, just the, the key is, you know, when I played this years ago, so when I played it years ago, it was the Lance formation, which was the arrow formation, the, the pointed formation where you had one, then two, then three, I think yeah. up to five. And then it changed to like three, four, five or something. And it was weaker than it was the first time I played it and stuff. So I get yeah, I get why they uh, do it. Weird. They get they gave you a formation that didn't have flanks, so it was impossible to flank your knights when they got rank bonus. They gave right. it a flank so you could now be flanked and not flanked. just charge mm-hmm. willy nilly into whatever right. you wanted to. Right. Weird. <laughs> yeah, and they points costed it up a lot more too, so you couldn't yeah. have that eight foot trail of knights anymore you know uh, so if you wanted an eight foot trail of knights you had to take knight errant yes rather rather than having a, prot- a protonian army that didn't have any errant knight in there right uh, the, all of these sound like changes that were for the better of the game and, and the i faction. agree I, I agree no i understand but when you're uh, when I, you're a I person interviewed... like me who is i yeah. so when i played it was kind of like having my toe dipped in the water rather yeah. than having my foot in the water you know because you don't understand, like getting into 40K, there's a lot of stuff to grasp. And getting yes. into 40K in ninth edition is, it's a burden, in my opinion, just because there's so much you have to grasp. Now, for me, my my entry into it really isn't isn't going to be burdensome because I'm not going to go to tournaments. I'm not going to try to, it's going to be my son and I playing and maybe some of his friends and just kind of, learning the game, have fun with the game, things like that. But I can see if you're trying to get in the competitive side of it, I mean, you really literally just have to immerse yourself in watching videos and, and, you know, the tactics, how to use, how to, you know, how to use, uh, you know, certain, certain space Marines to hold obstacles, certain space Marines to take obstacles, certain, you know, and all that. It's just, and I know that that's the whole point of it. You know, it's a tactical game. Yeah, at a competitive right. level, yeah. At a yeah, Games Workshop games, at least from the Warhammer perspective, both fantasy and um, the 40K level, has always been, in my mind, two different sets of rules you've got to learn. You've got to learn the basic rules of the game, which is the quote-unquote addition, and then you've got to learn your codex, right. because your codex are supplemental rules to those rules. They'll give you right. the basics. This is how every unit genuinely works. Here's all the ways that those rules get broken. Yeah, or modify or change. I get it. And then you go further into that because now you have a codex, a subcodex of a codex that further yeah. breaks the rules. And then they release something in White Dwarf that, you know, does an additional thing to that, or they release yeah, a campaign book that adds additional stuff to that. Yep. Yeah. So one thing one thing that will really truly help me, I think, a lot. So, you know, I'm getting Imperium magazine. Now I've never sat down and read anything in it yet. Um, just because Wait, there's a magazine to read in those? I'm teasing. Of. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Kind of. It's it's kind of a, a learning guide. It, it's, it is. It's actually more of a, you know, it's a way to build an army and a learning guide. You know, so if, if I had my camera on, I could show you, you know, behind me or somewhere around here. I have just tons of this shit laying around. I still have stuff in boxes and I got another one yesterday, you know, that came yesterday. So for the monthly fee and we just got, I think, the chaos Maybe it was the Ooh. Chaos Army. It's the first one of the the extra armies because I'm paying 
the extra per month to mm-hmm. to get the the extra stuff and you know that's kind of like what are the boxes called the battle boxes or whatever they're called the combat patrols. patrols so it's basically you're getting a combat patrol of another army yes Th- that's about the amount that you're getting for the extra dollar or two dollars or whatever i'm paying per month and that to me is going to be my roadmap to learning the game because that's kind of what it's for it's it gives you terrain. It gives you paint. So I'm going to learn to paint with it too, because there's Heck pictures yeah. and step by step and all that, you know, which a lot of it all get because they tell you to use base paints basically instead of you know primers and things like that, because they're not giving you primers, they're giving you base paints, and but then they're giving you all the other paints. Like Chris on his stream the last time I was or was watching Chris's stream, he had those cool nail polish racks. Yes. So I bought one of those, and that's where all the paints that I get with Imperium are going to go. So, you know, so all... My wife sent me one of those um, laser-cut wood ones. I've got all the paints sitting up here and here. I got Mm. tons of... I got got a laser-cut wood one. (laughs) I have another laser-cut wood one. And then I have this one, and I have another one, too, I think, somewhere of paints that literally I just haven't used, you know, I buy paints and then I don't use them. When my son comes, he'll have a bunch of paint. So the good thing is, is with him being here, we can say, Hey, Aaron, I want to paint. And then hopefully he'll say, okay, let's figure this out, how to paint thing, you know, that type of thing. So I I could go way off the rails on this, but um, you know, the the good thing is, is that if they're going to come out with 10th edition, hopefully, Hopefully they have the balancing mechanism still in place to to make it so that, you know, because I do like the the chapter approved stuff. That's actually extremely helpful that they had that because it's all in one book. Yes. You know, so I have, you know, Adeptus Sororitas, which I actually have an Adeptus Sororitas army um, to still build because my three armies are Space Marines. Astra Militarum and Adeptus Soror- Sororitas. That's what I'm. I thought the Imperium magazines came with Necrons too, didn't it? That's the other side of it. They um. have ne- they have Necrons. So so uh, uh, it's Necrons and other chaos stuff. I can't remember exactly what they have because I haven't focused on that. But um, but I also have the the Christmas box or whatever it is. You know the Ooh. one they put. In- so I have the Astra Militarum Christmas box and I have the Adeptus Sororitas box. <laughs> so I have a ton of stuff to build, but they'll all be able to be played together because they're all whatever it is, the Astra um They're all Imperium. Yeah, yeah Imperium, thank you. Yeah. And that was my point is when I did this, I like Astra Militarum better than Space Marines. I think they're cool looking models. They're, they're like World War II style I, stuff. I was just going to say, because that's some of that uh, military stuff coming out. A lot of people like them because of that pure look of the, the World War yeah, II kind of tanks, The tanks are cool looking. You know, everything's cool looking on them. So, yeah, we'll have to talk more on the sh- the other show, you know. This Sunday. Looking this. forward to it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I suppose we can move on to the main topic that kind of overlaps a decent amount anyway. Yep. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah. We were going to talk about um, games, obviously, uh, that require painted models, or if they use miniatures games and you don't need to paint them, like just painting requirements and painted versus unpainted. 
So it's a pretty open-ended topic at the moment. So, so does anyone have anything to jump in with first? Well, I, yeah. I do. I have a lot, but and you start it. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, so in my experience, I don't think that if you are a casual player, as in I just want to play on my kitchen table with my kids, with my friends, and I'm never, ever, ever going to go to a tournament or an event of any kind, I don't think there's such thing as a painting requirement. I think however you play the game and enjoy the game, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, I do know that uh, when you get into these miniature games, um, with the exception of a few, like X-Wing, I always thought that X-Wing was fantastic because it, they already came pre-painted. Um, aside from the dollar value associated to some of these, the very next barrier that usually prevents people from getting into these games is that painting barrier. And I'll be the first to tell you that you, I have played many, many games with unpainted models without a lick of paint on um, That's not a requirement. The catch to that is if you decide, as in one of our previous shows that we talked about, if you intend to take the game a little bit more seriously and you want to start going to like events and your particular store or the particular venue that you're going to has a painting requirement, which then puts on the painting tax. Um, if you're going to go and play at this event, I need to have a thousand points. I need to have 2000 points, whatever, whatever it is. I need to have 20 points, 40 points, whatever the other games count on painted to be able to play them. that then becomes the taxing part of it so if it's just from a casual perspective no painting requirements at all um moving the catch to that is it's interesting to me that tournaments require painting because in my mind painting the miniatures helps in the immersion of the game because you get to see your little tiny soldiers that you painted up over here shooting out of the balcony over here and killing that one demon on the one side. It looks cool. It kind of like it gets you into that game. It kind of puts you in that cool headspace of telling the canon of the story that's happening on the battlefield kind of thing. But if you're in a tournament, nobody I mean, some people do, but no one's really there for the story. No one's telling tall tales of your particular chapter that fought the de like nobody's doing that. You're there to play the game to win and try to win the games and try to win the tournament. So it's always an interesting dichotomy for me that tournaments require have a painting requirement. Um, oh. So much so, like if we're going to talk about 40K, there's actually a point value, a victory point value associated to having a painted army versus an unpainted army. Um, there are 90 points possible in any game of 40k and then an additional 10 bonus points at the end making a total of 100 for having a fully battle ready painted army and if you don't have that you don't get those 10 points yeah but do you think that that's i mean yes i understand the immersion side you know but part of it is not everybody's talented enough to paint not everybody has the time to paint nor do they have the money to commission Correct. Wife, you know, kids, job. I, I get it. I'm 100% there on board. Um, so it, it depends. There, Like I said, there have been events that I have, again, I'll, I'll give another free plug for War Games Live. They've, he's gone to events where painting was not a requirement. So mm -hmm. I have seen not necessarily great plastic armies, but people that just went, okay, my entire army is blue today. And there's paint on the models. It feels dirty a little to me. Um, but I mean, so yeah, I, I, I get it. They're, they're not necessarily requirements to play the game or, but I don't know. Some people, some people like legitimately, I'm, I freely admit the game store that I play in, I'm usually the only person playing with a painted army at the store that I play in. I play against a ton of gray plastic. Does it ruin it for me? No, not really. 
I may have been that snob in the past. I don't know. I don't know, Ed. So I, I have an anecdote about um, Mike, the guy who's running our Necromunda campaign at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, if your models are not fully painted and based, he won't play you. Really? That's good. Pickup games, casual games in the campaign. You just not like, you can't play him. Right. He his reasoning is that he's right, in his mid forties, he's got two kids, he works, he's got MS. Right. He can't paint as good as he used to anymore. But he's gonna paint the terrain that you're playing on and paint his army. So the least you can do is paint yours. I I get that. I get and, it. And it isn't that he, um, basically the, the point of him doing it for him is that it, it eliminates games that he's not going to find unfun. It's his, he, by setting that bar event barrier to entry, he ensures that you've got a level of investment in wanting to play the game that isn't just about winning and isn't just about, because he's, he's not a competitive player, he doesn't care about, he just wants to hang out, play games, and have fun. So you right. might feel like that kind of person would just want to play a game, but it weeds out a, a percentage of the population who doesn't want to put that baseline effort in. Kind of falls And he again. never I has to deal with it. Calling back to a previous topic on this show where we're talking about taking the game seriously. That's definitely one of the steps I think we probably overlooked when we were talking about it because we did talk a lot about if competitive and thinking about the game whenever you're not playing the game kind of thing. This kind of falls into that because if you're painting models in order to play the game, the units that you want to like, obviously the units that I picked that I have lined up in my line uh, on my table of the stuff that is going to get painted are all units that are in my current 1500 to 2000 point sisters of battle army i have plenty of other units that are sitting in the box that are probably at the very bottom of the list because i'm not currently using them mm-hmm. uh, i know uh go on sean you go well you know and that's that's the struggle like for me to go play at a game store let's say you know it's so i get the i get your friend chris where he has the mindset of you know so, I've one taken thing the i time... would just caveat sean just so you're on the same page is that he's talking about playing a game like Necromunda or Warcry, which is like eight to twelve models? Understood. Um, totally get it. Totally he's get talking it. about um, playing in a specific campaign that he's putting effort into running, right? Not like just random pickup games at the store. Right, he doesn't I've got, I've got care what you and Ed that. do. Yeah, I've got a follow-up question. Does he have? Yeah. Does it have to be painted well? No. So allow me to provide you an example. Uh, one of the podcasts I used to listen to back in 5th and 6th edition, whenever I was really heavily into the tournament play, was the um, um, the 11th Company. Neil Gilstrap and his, his crew down in North Carolina that did that show. And all of the events that they attended had a, back in those days, what was considered to be a three-color minimum. Meaning you needed to have a minimum of three colors on every one of your models. So what did they do? They went through and sprayed every one of their models in their Space Marine Army white, painted one shoulder pad red, and one shoulder pad blue. They were the American Space Marine Army. So I, that, I can tell that's you. That's a three-color minimum. It meets the, the minimum requirements. So that would that's fine if you're wanting to play a written-down rule of tournament play. You wouldn't get to play Mike with that army. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I was getting at, is I wanted to know yeah. what his minimum was. Does uh, it have uh, to- no, it, it's not Because that, that isn't not being painted well. That's not being painted. Agreed. Well, that's, 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 that's trying to be a gamer to game the system. Yeah, that's a prime so, army. 
So yes, I, yes, I'll post a, I'll post the picture that my so my friend my other friend so we were prepping the new Warcry box. Mike took the terrain to do. I took Rock Maya Creed, and Chad took the Disciples of Hashat. I think it is. I can't remember. Um, the, the not Chaos Dwarf, Chaos Dwarves um, is what uh, Chad took. So he posted a picture of them all. He'd finished painting them all. In the picture, they weren't based. Uh, Mike sent him a message, uh, said, oh, cool, you can come right in the house and we'll play. He got rained and he hadn't based them. Oh. So he said, oh, you can't put those in. So, yeah, so they used two lots of Mike's models and played. I, I, okay. so, uh, they, these were properly painted models that the bases just weren't finished on. So you're talking about the, the base, the actual physical base, not yeah. base paint. Correct. No. Okay. Because that's why I'm trying to buy the bases, you know, the um i have them around here somewhere the it's the citadel textured but they're already pre-textured they already have like they're pre-textured already, yeah so so Those let me ask cool. you this so like i have the 32 millimeter round bases they're the pre-textured bases so if i had those and then had them so if i had those but they weren't painted would that count no they're not painted Okay, so so, so, you, so the you, reason why I'm so, just trying to get this, I'm yeah. trying to understand terminology here, because <laughs> yeah. this is a new one on me. So I would have to make sure that they were painted and so by painted, Sean, you can get a kind of silver spray paint, spray them all silver, and then stick the models to them at the end. What you can't do is spray them all silver, stick the models to it, paint your ultramarines blue, get your ultramarine blue paint all over silver bases, because that's what happens when you're painting the feet of the ultramarines stuck to the bases. Yep. And then just yeah. weave those blue streaks on the bases. You have to paint over that blue silver again for that base to be considered painted. So the, e- the easiest, easiest solution is to get yourself some Elmer's glue, put Elmer's glue on those bases. If you want, if you have the regular bases, you've got the texture ones, don't do this. And get some flock from the train store. A little bit of Elmer's glue, a little bit of flock, paint the rim, boom, yeah. base. That's, yeah, and that's I, the I, minimum. I do have that. I even have that stuff too, where I have flocking in the, and I, the so glue. I, to... I, I have a different uh, approach to Mike, so I can like we can move on to what, what my lines are. Is that for me? I have a very distinct line over what type of game I, and this is my standards. I hold myself to. I will let you. I'll play you with whatever you want to. I won't lie to you and say it's not going to affect my enjoyment, though. Like, if you never paint anything, and I've paint, and we're playing on a fully painted table, like, I'm yeah. just going to make a, a made-up example. If me and Ed are playing and both our armies are fully painted, we're playing on a really nicely painted table, I'm going to take pictures of that game. If it's then me and you play, playing Sean and your army's not painted, I'm probably not going to bother taking a picture. No, because I, I don't. Understand that. I, I think it. it should be abundantly made clear. They don't have to be painted well. No one yeah. is expecting. So um, golden with Demon Mike, level like, paintings. Mike's got MS. He can't paint well anymore. Like he, uh, that's going to sound really shitty. He paint. He paints above average still, but to mm-hmm. the standard he used to paint to, he would. Uh, he would be the first to admit that he doesn't paint as well as he used to. But it, it doesn't, that's his entire point is that he's struggling through a mess to get his models painted so that you can have the best experience you can. Yeah, uh, I, I, so, I get that point. So for me, my line is that I want to see progress. And that, pro, like, if you, and I've, I've 
done this as part of running star events. And if people want to play the system, I will let them play the system. That's fine. You're not winning anything. You know, you don't yeah, get a prize yeah. for playing the system the best. Like if you want to undercut one of your models and then the next week undercut a second model and do that for 52 weeks and at the end of the year you've got 52 models undercoated, great. You played the system and showed progress every week. But it's not there for me. It's there for you as encouragement for you to get an Abbey painted. Yeah, if that's why just, I, like, I genuinely feel dirty playing my... It, it's just because I was so excited to get the army and play it playing my sisters of battle unpainted but i am making progress every week that i go up there the first week i took them up there the rhino was painted the second time i took them up there, the two squads the sisters were painted i'm halfway through my other two other squad and some of my retributors i want to get those taken care of so like over time i want to get those done if i were to play any one of my other armies if i were to play my necron army if i were to play my tyranid army tomorrow i'd play them fully painted so yeah th- this I mean, now that's kind of like that, that's kind of oh, like Trump. a paint and play league you know because the game store, you know, the biggest game store here in town, they've done paint and play, you know, where each week you have to have added more, you know, X amount of points have to be painted week one, X amount of points have to be painted week two, and so on and so forth, which I get because that's, you know, that's getting players to to move towards that immersive side, you know, because, yes, I will agree with you. It's one thing that was nice about X-Wing is I didn't have to paint anything. Yeah, because yeah. they came pre-painted. That, they I, came. And it was an to immersive To be perfectly game. honest with you, I think X-Wing kind of ruined me for the amount of time that I played because that's what got me away from painting because everything came pre-painted. I didn't have to paint any miniatures. So <laughs> what, one of the things that I find interesting for me is what my line of where I I personally think about painting my stuff. Like I've done one or two X-Wing repaints, but like not nothing major. Mm-hmm. I've... But then, like with Armada, I played very, very little Armada in the grand scheme of things. But I still mm-hmm. wanted to paint my fighters for Armada. Then, yeah, something yeah. like um, something like God Tier, for example, the models paint up and look nice. But it, you're playing on a board, and it's like a nice colored art piece board with hexes on it. But it's getting more towards the board getting like I, I would never paint, never say never. But I feel no inclination to paint the miniatures for Rising Sun. I have no inclination to paint the miniatures for Call of Cthulhu. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? I don't... I, oh, um, Arkham... Oh, Mansions of Madness, sorry. I, yeah. I don't feel any inclination to make sure those models are painted to play that game. God tier, I don't really care. I can see a reasoning and an argument for not painting a God tier miniature because it's clear what it is but then if i'm playing a game where i have an expectation that the table and the scenery is going to be painted having an unpainted model does affect my immersion in that and i do find it less fun it's it's less visually appealing and like you only have to look at my instagram of when i do those in-game shots where i try and get i get it i mean i went and bought um a really long um i forgot what it's called now um, at a stand, a long stand. It took me ages. I was there forever. Got a long stand. Um, problem. Shh. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, a hanging thing for a back, a backdrop holder thing that only goes like a meter off the ground. But I can use it as a backdrop for uh, miniatures. 
and gaming. And then I went to Michael's and I've bought like watercolors and, a ma- and big sheets of paper so I can actually physically paint backdrops so that at some point, once the table's clear behind me, if I set up a Necromunda table to take pictures, I will have a backdrop, which is the ha- yeah. underhive continuing. So you're, you're building a, a diorama more than, yeah. more than that, yeah. Yeah, because that's what I want those pictures to feel like. I don't want to have the picture where, you know, you've got the guy's fucking crotch in the background of a picture because I got down low enough. You know, he's got a semi on because he's beating with his Spats Marines. Mm-hmm. Oh, my Ed's got a semi on because he's just painting his sister's repentia. I don't know. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Um, I'm saving you know, them for last on purpose. Oh, like... Oh, I got a cool picture of what's going on. Unfortunately, I got that guy's back cracker who was uh, bending down over his table in it. Um, (laughs) But when I'm taking the pictures, I want them to feel like a diorama. And that's part of the minute. It's a big part of miniatures game for me. It's what I like and what I think is cool about playing them is the storytelling aspect. And the visual storytelling is a part of that. But equally... A diff- it's a different part of my brain that is activated from playing the game side of it because I equally have played many games with unpainted models like I I think when I was in the Earth Force and had disposable income and stuff I, I buy like at least four armies a year oh, and wow. they weren't all painted because <clears throat> like, like I bought a Lizardman army built it, played with it for like a month was like no I don't like this and sold it like and that was never paint. No paint ever touched that up. Right. Because I'll try. I'll kind of. I'm playing with it to get the just the feel for a list that I want, and then I can start painting it. That was when I was being again taken again more seriously, throwing it back to Ed's yeah, conversation. That, that, that's the excuse I'm using, Chris. That's the excuse I'm using. <laughs> oh no! So I wanted to. I only have a finite amount of time, so I need to narrow down my list choices first. And I, I would do it in that like these are my core units. This is like. I played a um, a fire dragon themed Beltan army, Ooh. the court of a young king. I had all three different sculpt uh, era of sculpts of fire dragons in the list. So I painted those because they were always going to be in the list. Like the different exarchs that are going to go into a court of a young king get swapped in and out until I figure out the, the mix I like before I paint them. Hmm. So you know, so I, I I'm not set saying that you can never ever play with unpainted models I'd, to me it does make a difference and my preference is that if we're paying, playing on a nice looking table I would like us both to play with painted models and it's strange that you could have a model that you pick up and look at and you can think oh man it doesn't look good or I've, I've done a bad job here or I could have done better there but none of that's relevant when it's on the table yeah, and you put effort into it. Yeah, I don't. I've never played a game with a, against an army that was badly painted, and thought, "Oh man, I wish he'd not even bothered painting it." Not once has that ever happened. Right. So I actually had to dig through. While I, I apologize if I seemed a little distracted because I was going through the Eleventh Company's old Facebook page, and I found not the one that I was talking about, but the next level up from that, from their three color minimum. I put it in podcast crap. This was the black primer, white shoulder pad, and then some red occasionally on the models for missiles, and it's okay. That, that's, that's painted. Yeah, that's fine. 
they're, they're all based. They're all the, based. There's detailing on the, there's highlighting on those weapons. A little. Yeah, that's yeah. Fine. that's more. That is a well painted army to me. Yeah, and it's not I, fantastic. That, that, it's not like it doesn't. Oh, I, have to. I would consider that above tabletop standard. Okay, exactly. So I think this was their whenever they changed the standards that you had to have a little bit better than just the three color minimum. This was the army that they switched to. It's like so that black is not a single coat of black undercoat. Oh, you don't and think so? No, right. You like maybe it's a, a reflection of the lighting on some of it, but like it looks like the back of the Terminator where you've got a little box panel on the back of a Terminator uh-huh. looks like there's highlighting in there. Ooh. Even if it is a flat black, great, okay. But there's definitely highlighting on those thunder hammers. Yeah, and the light in the lightning claws, you can tell that someone put yeah. some effort into them. Yeah. So I, that's above tabletop standard. Because to me, tabletop standard is so. I talk about this when I used to do commission painting and I discuss stuff with people. If someone asked me to do a tabletop standard army, I couldn't just do the the one layer base coating to get the colors onto a model. The minimum I would do is a wash over the top of that. But if if somebody else just did flat colors, but the correct colors in the correct place, so that it looks like a WizKids pre-painted model, that's tabletop standard to me. There you go. This that's is, pr- this that's is probably above, a good standard. Yeah, this is above the level of a WizKids. If WizKids did pre-painted Terminators, they wouldn't look as good as these ones. Yeah, that's probably a good standard. Yeah. Now, admittedly, I I just happen to know that they used kitty litter for their basing material. So that's legitimately... As long as it's tar- not used kitty litter, it doesn't it's matter. It's not. It's not. It's it's Elmer's glue, kitty litter, boom, done. It looks like gravel. So they did the minimum yeah. as far as the basing is concerned. They did do the black rims for all of them. But again, yeah, they, they didn't do the minimum because all of those bases are black rim. Yes. It looks like they've even wiped it. off the excess Elmer's glue from around the edges. They could have done that. That's right. This is above and beyond the the what I would consider. If you if you plunk this army in front of me, I would never assume that you hadn't put effort into it. Yeah, and again, it's not painted great. It, it's good. No, but but like, see, so this is the, the the thing that I'm trying to uh, is hard to talk about because. Whilst this army is not going to fin- win a golden demon, this is not a competition-winning army. No, it is painted great because for you, like that, could be a great army for you, and it would be great to play against that army on the table. Yeah, I'd be fine. And, like, the pictures would look great. Like, you know what I mean? You can take a picture of that army fighting my your army, my army, on a well-painted table, and it would look great. Yes, I agree. You, Using the word that you said it isn't, it would hit that level if you took a picture of it. And well, that, it, that's what I'm saying. It, I wish I could have found I can't find the picture. I'll have to see if I can dig it up somewhere for another time. No, I, I know wish. exactly the type. Like, literally, I've seen people do um, a, a spray undercoat and then a, two dots on the heads of it, which were just dotting colors. Oh, on. Jesus. That's even yeah. worse. No. And like, it is people taking the piss to try and say that they've. It's going against the spirit of the rules, but hitting the rules as written, not rules as intended. There you go. It's playing, it's being a gamer. And I'm sure it takes them more time than it would have to just try to paint it. Yeah, if you've got the paintbrush out, just 
put on a shoulder pad. Just but like, paint some silver on the gun. Just make just stay in the lines a little, and you're good. But uh, if I'm running an event and you do that, great. You've you've hit the bare minimum. And like I've had, um, so the way I used to do it was I'd run soft scores. So if all Ooh. you want to do is win best general, great. Bring an unpainted army. I don't care. You're not going to place first overall, but there is a prize for best general. Mm-hmm. Which includes, like you said, soft scores. Which I don't know. Did you do sportsmanship? Uh, yeah, it dep- well, mostly. Right. The way I used to do it is that to me, the winner of the event was the the overall winner, including the soft scores. Yes. The person who placed first might not win the event if they mm-hmm. had an unpainted army, and that doesn't always sit right with some people. They think that the overall winner of the event should be the person who plays first. And then if you want to have soft scores as a category, that painting should be its own thing, or painting should be its own reward. And no argument is invalid. My response was always, well, it's my event, so unfucking lucky <laughs> That's I, I agree and ex- I accept your interpretation as valid. Unfortunately, this is my interpretation. So when I come to your event, I'll know what the minimum is. That's yeah. why I think it's interesting that Games Workshop went to the point of making it a point that of this is what Battle Ready is. They have videos on their uh, YouTube channel if you want to see. This is what bare minimum. Um, this is why the contrast paints are so good. Like legitimately, that's why like for me, like if I really, really, really wanted to, I wanted to do the bare minimum, I could contrast paint the entire army. I don't want to do that. I want this to be my showcase army, which is why it's taking me so long. And I spent so much time, as much time as I did. It took me three weeks to get 10 models painted because I, and I'm not even necessarily quote unquote happy with the paint job. I feel like it's adequate. I think I can do better. I wish I could do better. I need to find a work that I like. Um, but I want it to look kind of good. Like it's different. It was super easy for Tyranids and Necrons are probably oh. the two easiest models in my, in my opinion, the two easiest armies to paint Necrons spray chrome paint, null oil wash, pick a color to pick out the shoulder pads, do the greeny rods or whatever you're going to do there. Done done and they uh, I've got good. I've got a, a good one for you this is a good uh litmus test sure yeah. you playing D&D we all played D&D right we all sure. played it not online in person absolutely you have painting models for D&D yes I do uh, but what was the line for that well those if that's you, not required do you, yeah, if you roll required. up a random encounter and then you have to go and buy the model you have to try and find a pre-paint, or do you just buy the, the unpainted well, version? Well, so I'm an okay? old enough. I'm an old enough fart that whenever um, third third edition and three point five edition were doing the D and D minis, I have a box full of them. So now the problem comes in, of course, is hey, this skeleton today, he's actually this, and this guy over here, because it's on the right base side, is actually that. They're painted, they're just not the right miniature kind of thing. That's where I kind of fall into those sometimes. So like I've played like Greg has all of the correct miniatures for like the correct monster, but they're not painted. And, like, and when Greg's playing a character, he'll find a character that is the correct character. Well, here I'll show you one of my favorite things. This is the one thing that whenever I switched over to Paizo in Pathfinder for the longest time, this is one of my favorite things. They did these. Oh, the pawn boxes, yeah. The pawn boxes. So. Yeah. All the right monsters, but they're the little pawns. They're the little cardboard. And I, so to I, me, 
if you gave me the choice between playing with Greg's unpainted miniatures and those pawn boxes, I personally would lean towards the unpainted miniatures. Really? Yeah. And like that that's what it, this is why it's a good witness test, because it you'd think my interpretation would be more in line with my miniatures gaming. Well, and I would have thought that I would what because they're painted. Like they're, I mean they are no, there's, I, there's a I color agree. Photo. I, I'm not saying that it's logical. <laughs> I'm an emotional human being who is inconsistent. Because I've got the old school. Do you remember the first edition Blood Bowl box that came with pawns like that? Like they had every team. Every team was in the box. Yeah. You had to I've played Blood Bowl with teams I didn't own the plastic miniatures, and I played those pawns, and they're like, oh, you can't play those. I'm like, sure I can. They're a Games Workshop. They're a Games Workshop miniature. They're just the cardboard pawns that they've done. And I've had people kind of squawk a little bit about that, and I get it. <laughs> but like, but equally, when I've played D&D, when Greg's a player in the campaign, and he gets his miniature and won't, doesn't paint it, literally after a, I give him three sets, he knows he sits next to me, then he gets three sessions, and I take his model home and bring it back the next week painted. Because <laughs> all the player characters are, and I, I'll paint everyone at the table's player character because they should be painted. Yeah, and I, I feel agree. like they, and that's it. To me, it's part of my immersion into a character is knowing what they look like and having those details on the model. You know, Goblin Goblin Three B. I give zero shits about Three B. Sorry, mate. I'm lucky. Yeah. All right. It doesn't bother me about them. Yeah. And I'd like to think that the big bad would be painted, or if you're fighting a dragon, the dragon's going to be painted. I like to think that you would think that, but yeah. I don't. I don't know for sure. So to kind of to re-steer this one back to that, so Games Workshop, I will give them full credit. They've done the best that they possibly could to make this as easy as they possibly could to get a okay-looking tabletop standard miniature painted. The contrast paint line alone, they already have, um, like, and I think that Sean's already done this. He's gotten the Ultramarines blue spray. It's the absolute same color. If you pull it out of a paint pot or if you pull it out of the spray can, same color. Just shh, there's your blue already done. Right. Spray it blue, put the black wash on it, clean up the wash, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. But, well, you want so, to put a little bit of gold around the edges. Well, one thing that I'd talk about on that side of it, and this is playing devil's advocate the other way is uh it's already an expensive enough hobby and adding what like eight eighteen no like twenty two Canadian now I think it is for a spray. It's like what is it twenty bucks US for a mm-hmm. spray paint now? Yeah they're pricey. Yeah. So twenty bucks there, then another fifteen bucks for a brush, five bucks a tin for the That's paint. why personally myself and I always go with the Krylon primers. So Krylon makes a great gray. If you're going to do contrast paints, you should probably do them over a gray. They they take better to those colors because it kind of helps pre-highlight as well, which is nice. Um, pick your contrast paint of color. The new yellow looked really, really good. I saw it in, uh, I've seen recently that that new yellow that they've got is fantastic. If you want to do like, I don't know, um, Imperial Fist or whatever. I'll be doing Imperial Fist. I'm going to try it out. I don't know if that's how I'll do them or not. I can tell you myself, and, my, and Gabe and I keep getting into this debate, and he and I are both in the same. Like I've seen people that have done "quote unquote" contrast painted armies as opposed to traditional painted armies, where you lay down base coats and then washes and highlights. Um, I, I don't like them. I don't love them. Probably that's probably the right word. I don't love 
the way I, the I can't believe you think my uh, my slave grins look shit in for Necromunda. Yours you? isn't just contrast paints, though. It's not just so it, it it it's it would be different if that were the starting point, and then you were bringing some of the midtones up and some of the highlights up. Um, but that's not what most people are doing. Uh, they're taking the if we're going to do Blood Angels, they're going to take spray the models gray. They're going to Blood Angels red. They're going to put a little couple. Of, they're going to paint the bolter silver. Do some and that's it. They're done. That that that's the color. That to me is an unfinished model, and I kind of cringe a little. But but by the rules and by the if that is for someone who doesn't know how to paint. Like so, I, I, the, the point that I was trying to get back, I was trying to bring it back to. It doesn't have to be top tier level painting. No one's asking for you to paint it to look like it's on the box because I can't paint to the level on that box. I don't think that I'm ever going to. I'm going to try though. Uh, I like I said. I feel like I still have a lot to learn. I still have a lot of more work to make things look better than they currently are, but it's not that much work. It really. It, it, there are. I hate saying this word out loud. There are shortcuts that you could take to getting a model, to getting an army, to what Chris already considered. This is an okay army. I would play against this army level. You, you can I'm just going to start posting Instagram links in general for you to click on. Okay. Oh. So there you um, go. So like the uh the beast and nurgle and the nurglings and the swapity bile piper are all contrast. hundred percent contrast? Um I would say ninety-five percent contrast. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you would have um, brought the midtones up on those. Let's find some more for you. Um there we go. This all is right, maybe one. I'm wrong. Maybe I stand corrected on this one. As right. Chris is off to do. Um sure to uh, no, I need to copy the link. That's one. Uh, the dragon that I repainted for Greg uh, is again probably at least eighty percent contrast, and then just dry brushing. Yeah, but the look that you're going for that and that one—that's a little bit. Different. And the dry brushing, oh, I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Um, then so you, right. the 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 necromancer stuff I'll, I'll let you have as um, not being contrast or not be or being too much work to be considered a contrast paint job. I'll let you have that. Um, but then, um, where is it gone? I've got a bunch of stuff that I did is just contrast paints. Um, all my, all of my, um, crisis protocol stuff is contrast and dry brushing. But it's the and dry brushing. I'm sorry to say that I feel like does. I mean, does bring it up a bit. Uh, the, the Hulk coming at you. Oh, I knew you were going to pull the Hulk photo. I knew that was the one you were going to go with. Yeah, I know. But there's dry brushing on this one, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, and you've brought some highlights out, so it's not just contrast paint. Um, the, like, uh, let me see if okay. I can find it. No, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about, because it is a, a real thing. Like, okay, these ghouls were my first ever contrast things, and this was just contrast and shades messing around with. Yeah, but they're Cool. If I'm thinking the one that you're talking about, yeah, yeah. I like them. those are good. And I, I, right. get, I get right. what you say. It's do I think that putting like Dark Angels, the Caliban green contrast paint, and trying to paint Dark Angels is going to look bad? Yes. Like, because I'm trying to find it, examples it, as we're talking. Yeah. And I know the ones that you're talking about. I get it. But I think that. It's it's a very fine line, and I think knowledge of the product and knowledge of the model you're painting is more important than just the medium at which you're using. 
Oh. All right, that's fair. I'll I'll yeah. I'll take that. That's fair. Like I've seen painting that has no dry brushing and no contrast paints that look worse than some contrast paints only. Yes. So yeah, I don't know. So what do we have a any word? Do we where do we fall? I suppose let's <sighs> kind of close it up. Like, where do I fall? And, and let's remember, we're not just talking about forty k here. No, of course, just I, it's in, just like, a good example. Like it's well. That's, I was, it was supposed to be a wider topic of like, if you, because there's so many board games that have miniatures. Depending, you on like, board, depending on the board game, I don't feel like board games need to be painted. They look cool when they are. So, for example, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the game Zombies. I don't know if you've ever played that or not. Um, yeah, I know a game. I went through and painted, it wasn't a ton of effort. I went through and painted like blue jeans on. 25 of the zombies brown pants on 25 of the zombies though and some of them have shirts and some of them don't if they have shirt they got like a gray shirt or blue shirt and then i just did a wash over them and just painted the bases black just yeah. that little bit that little bit of work made yeah. it a little bit cool zombie so I mean, are really good I, obviously zombies i believe is a smaller scale than zombie yeah i think but, you're um right. yeah by far it's but, a much yeah. smaller Right, zombie sides are a really good example because the miniatures for that are really, really nice miniatures. The sculpts are really, really good, and you could very easily convince people that zombie side is a miniatures game, not a board game. I think that would be a fair discussion. But I have no, I own a bunch of uh, the new zombie side. I own a bunch of the fantasy version, like um, Green Tide and Wolfsburg, and all of that, and I have no inclination to paint any of that. Yeah, I could quite happily play that game unpainted and not have any feel because it's 2D. Uh, playing two different Rune versions Wars. of Axis and Allies here. I don't think I'm ever going to go through and paint those those miniatures like so ever. I've I've found it when I was playing a lot of Song of Ice and Fire. I found it a struggle to paint Song of Ice and Fire and motivate for that because it's 2D. Oh yeah. Um. Rune Wars was 2D. I've I've got very little painted Rune Wars stuff. So if it's an actual board game, or that, but, but if they're going up hills, they're going up into the ruins. Yeah, so the second it becomes three dimensional, <laughs> and I need to have painted scenery, then the models have to be painted as well. That's an interesting. That's an interesting standard. That's a good point. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I don't, I don't know that it's something I would have identified properly before this conversation today. That is interesting. You're right. So yeah, for me, like I said, for for my my final thought on this one is I do recognize that it's a stand, it's a a, a, a hurdle to get over if you're going to be getting into these kinds of games. I think you need to go into those kinds of games with some realistic expectations. There are some shortcuts that you can take to paint okay looking armies they don't have to be perfect but i do appreciate the effort that having been said I play I, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna correct you just because i'm the host and i can sure good looking armies your army will look good it will. you may hate it but i promise you no one will ever tell you that they wish you'd not even tried true ever there, i there guarantee is something you to be said there is there is a good feeling you get the first time you put a fully painted army onto the table uh, and i think a large barrier to entry is in your own psyche because you are disappointed in your own painting yeah that, that oh, is true. And, and no actually actually I, I'll, I'll throw this in the biggest barrier to entry is not only your psyche but it's your 
just total lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you've a lot never of, done it, if, if you've never done it before, you're you're sitting there and you're looking at it and it just it's overwhelming. Well, of course, because they sell it in these boxes with these top tier paint level or level of painting on the cover of the box. And you're like, I I don't know how to do that. I have no idea. (laughs) And like the the stupid thing for me is growing up and and being that person trying to learn it with no, like there was no real internet. There was no, Uh, there was no one. It's not in that. It's on the back of a box, isn't it? So my kind of, no, so the anecdote I have for you is the first painting set I had was the uh, it actually I'm pretty sure it came with a Space Marine and a Chaos Warrior, the one piece plastic Chaos yeah, Warrior. Yeah, I remember those. Right, so trying the picture on the front of the box is the heavy metal painted Chaos Warrior. Yeah, they've given you ten paints and a standard brush, and tell you that, and they tell you that you can paint that model. As a bit in the starter box, these are the colors to paint that model with this brush. <laughs> I do remember those now that you've said that out loud. I do remember that. And the, uh, this is like 1980s, 1990s style heavy metal painting with like 17 different highlights and glazing to go to because the red always goes into a yellow at the tip. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that and kind the inks of to get the shading done before yeah. sh- before um washes yeah. were a thing and I'm like, but they didn't give you inks nope there was no inks in that paint set nope but they don't tell you this and there's no there, there isn't any of these t- so you you think it's bad now sean trying to trying to get into this and get not get that hit to your confidence like it being actually impossible to achieve the box art (laughs) with the tools that they give you that implies that you can (laughs) that you can it's like i'm gonna buy one of the uh, buying a kalak shelf sean and you only get box one yeah box one or two it's impossible you can't do it it doesn't matter how hard you work how much effort you put in how many hours practice you spend trying to build this kalak it ain't going up if you don't have box number two and that was the feeling of the old old And like, I remember I buying think, in print the Games Workshop painting guide, and that was the first time I got exposed to at, back then inks. It, so it changed even, my entire painting style. Like I was like, even what that the hell though. Is this? Think about what that was pitched as. That was again. This is how we painted this heavy metal model. Because mm-hmm. there was no. This is how I painted my battle ready army. Which, if you look at even on Warhammer community site now. I'd say about 30% of the stuff they show off is actually battle-ready painted stuff. They'll all, obviously, yeah, when they it's are. a new release, they'll show you the heavy metal painted model. But once the stuff's out and it's in the White Dwarf, very, very often now, there is a good dichotomy of this is a fairly basic painted army. And taking away that stigma of not everything being painted by someone who's literally being painted, paid, an hourly rate to sit there and paint a model for like 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they only actually had to paint like four guardsmen and then they just photoshopped them to get like the giant com- like in the white old white dwarfs when you'd see a thousand guardsmen, there was two squads painted and they just photoshopped it. Like yeah. you 
that's that's why oh look when this I... model here is that same model except they just turned it a little this way or they turned it that way or, or they were yeah. they literally reversed it yeah, yeah i remember those if, but like you have to you have to know or you don't know like oh i cannot play until miami looks like that oh well fuck you you're just never playing it are you yeah you're never and i that that's why i'll always push back on the uh you might not be able to paint a good looking army. Now, fuck you. you. You will paint a good army. It'll look great. I promise you. And you show, you might show people. And as I said, you might not be painting a competition winning model, but the second it's on the table, no one's ever going to say, Oh man, I wish you'd just brought gray plastic. Yeah. I agree. With yeah. That. Nope. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That, that was just a, a I thought it would be an interesting aside that I could plan in 20 minutes before we came on a. Yep. Yep, that was good. I've got next week. I've already got mine picked out. Yeah, well, as long as we don't need to do research and you don't tell us. I was trying to pick a topic that you wouldn't need to do, have had done research on as well. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't think that there needs to be. Re- I think legitimately for this next for uh, next show's topic, I think is going to come fairly organically, and it's going to come pretty free flowing. To be honest with you, I think it's going to be a great topic, but I could be wrong. You might hate it. Uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the roll of the things. dice. All right, you might not like it. <laughs> I think you. I definitely think you will. I'm really kind of curious to see what Sean thinks, but we'll get there. It's going to be about proper gaming chairs, Chris. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, the thing I like about this chair, Sean, is that I can actually have a blur background effect on now, and it doesn't fuck up brain with the chair. Very Obviously, really? when, I've got the, when I've got the headset on now, you, you yeah, can see yeah. the unblurred bit through the gap. Just <laughs> because I'm not even recording video this time, people are going to have no idea. But I got a new got a new chair. Um, I'm going to be spending a lot of time trying to do work down here um, as I start working on these articles and videos again. Right. I actually got invested in a Secret Labs chair. So, That's a good way yeah. to do it. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going. I'm on Warhammer community page right now, and I'm looking at like the the article for the the Demonet just dropped today, and I'm yeah. like, he's right. These aren't like Golden Demon level. These are battle ready Demonets. They look good, yeah, but they're not almost I'm... like I know what I'm talking about. Look at that, yeah, yeah. Especially like when you they do the close up ones. Now yeah. they don't. They purposely pick the the they've lowered their standards of what they think is acceptable, and it's great. I'm a big big fan. And like yeah, so the Eternal Dance, the miniature for that is obviously it's got all of the like the light aligning oh, cool. all of the detail work so that's like an heavy metal paint job but yeah the basic demonette has got i mean the blending on the gray is nice yeah but you can see the pooling on the the um drew kathy night no yeah drew kathy violet mm-hmm. drewky violet yeah maybe you're right um, maybe you're pro- y- yeah you I can see the American. <laughs> yeah. but you're right yeah. that is i've never noticed that until you pointed that out Huh, isn't that uh, interesting? But I could help. Uh, generally, if you click on any of the Forge World stuff, the Forge World stuff is generally still the old heavy metal standard. Yeah. Uh, because they only paint one of them. Because <laughs> they're so damn expensive. But when, they've, when they're going to paint a mil... Well, no, it's like they don't, they're not going to paint 17 spikers. Yeah. Uh, um, but when they're doing demonettes, they've got to paint 100 of them. Because like they need to paint every different color variation for the 
the uh, going into a codex and everything. So they do them to a, a lower standard now. And it's all encouraged by the way the painting app works and that battle ready. And, you know, I've, I'm just a big fan of how they're being more accessible. There's a lot less gatekeeping in the hobby now. Yeah. Than used to be. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Do you, were you the one that pointed me to that article of the one space Marine that's been in the most codexes and the most shots ever in games workshop history? No, I don't think so. Oh, it's fantastic. So it goes, he actually goes all the way back. I think to third edition, he's an ultramarine and he's in a very specific pose. And somebody had this article where he had appeared in like 32 codexes over the year. He was in like 110 articles. Cause like legitimately, like, I've never been there. You've been, Chris, maybe you can tell me. My understanding is that there are armies that are in the display cases. And whenever they go to do photo shoots, they literally take those armies out of the display case. Where he apparently stores the front. So he's always in all of these shots. So it's this one ultramarine that's like famous because he's been in all of these photo shoots. I'll have to see if I can find that somewhere. Yeah. Oh, so I do have, I mean, this is probably a, a, um, an in-focused topic that we'll never actually cover. But since you're talking about like random articles about things, man, I fucking hate Pell of Lost Souls now. Oh, really? I have not touched them in so long. So I, I follow them on Facebook still. Like, so it comes up on my feed a couple of times a week, and it's always just fucking a shitty tits and ass cosplay um, article. And then what, like, what the new release is. So I, oh, just... Oh, I fucking hate it. First of all, they put they put too much spyware on their site. Just um, the, I, I, hate I stopped so. going there just for that. Oh, whoa, whoa! Look at that ninety. First of all, look at all the pop up ads. I've got three pop up ads that just popped up just going to their site. No, you can't do that. Look at that nineties purple cat Catwoman cosplay. Look, you're not wrong. What happened to this site? Get the clicks, man. <laughs> You can't do it with shittily written articles anymore, so maybe you just put some tits and ass bitches on there. I, I, I guess. We used to be authors on this site and everything. Yeah. Those I mean, the, the difference is, like, I might not stoop to that level on Dice 8, but at least they put content out, so who's the greater fool, Ed? Who's the greater <laughs> fool? The fool or the fool who follows. Look at this. My, how the mighty have fallen. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, no, it's been this. It's been a really long time since I. Yeah, it's been a really long time since I've been on their site. Look at that. Yeah. So there's at least one cosplay article a week, which is always really? just scantily clad women. I mean, I, they I, know their audience, obviously. I, I, obviously, yes. O- okay. I mean, I guess oh, it gets to who might complain. And while we were going, because you know, obviously I'm a consummate professional and would never be distracted as a host, I um, I ordered my Warhammer Plus one year models. Oh, good, good. good. I already got, I already got mine. I, I didn't. I paid yeah. monthly, so I couldn't do the uh, get them early. I had to wait for my um, oh yeah video to come around. Yep. So I got the Vindica was my free one. Yep. Is that how you pronounce it in America? I've always called it Vindicare, but. Vindicare, Vindicare Assassin. Okay, what what's the what are the names of the temples? Calexus. There's the Calexus. The it's a newer one. The Anti Psyker. What's the that's the um? Oh, you're gonna call me out and not know my temples right away. 
damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> so Vindicar is a sniper. Right. Colexus is the um, anti-psyker. The Calidus. Calidus is, is, is the polymorph. Eversaw is the Ever- terror one. Eversaw. So I've always called that a viscer. Eversaw assassin. I don't know. It's like the I, word eviscerate. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I I I don't read Eversaur Assassin. <laughs> Eversaur. Yeah, the funny part for me is I well, right, so it's not necessarily true. <clears throat> it's not necessarily true because I always go, oh, whatever the audiobook. Like if I go and listen to an audiobook and they say in the audiobook, that's the correct pronunciation. Until the, I read until I did the audiobooks for the Game of Thrones, and the author, he's fantastic. They did the whole thing, but he kept calling House Baratheon Baratheon. And I wanted to like strike them through my ear. So the, the one that will forever trigger me is niche. Niche? Mitch. What about niche? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I could see that. that I mean, I've always I said niche for the longest. I'm not. And then I learned it was niche. And then mm-hmm. I mean, I used to call Gene Steelers Blesters because I just didn't read the word because I was dyslexic. Wow. So, uh, no, I've never oh, seen sorry. that one. No, I no one has because most people aren't morons. <laughs> I, I freely am. <laughs> but no, no I just um right. I'm dyslexic and lazy. Like, I don't I re- read like the first three letters and the last like the first syllable and the last syllable, and then that's enough of the word, surely. Don't need <laughs> any more than that. That's sufficient enough for me. <laughs> Gene uh, I could. All right, what was it? Uh, if you read the uh, the Thrawn trilogy, who's what's the captain's name? His Watson to Thrawn's um, Sherlock. Oh God! Been too long ago. Are you talking about the original? Yeah, I, Thrawn? Garrett, I, I yeah, I can tell you what it isn't. It's not Pelican. Oh, no, I just oh, call oh, him oh. Captain Pelican because it it had a P in it. Yeah. <laughs> don't remember what it is, but I don't think it was that. It, it's like play on or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Palion, I think. Yeah, but like, well, wait, what? Because no, right, so I'm if, reading. If we're gonna call each other out, do you remember whenever we started? Whenever, um, the scum and villainy released Prince Shizor, and yeah. I was like, and I Zizor. went into, the, and I went into that episode and went Zizor because it's an X, it's pronounced Z, so it's Zizor, and you're like, no, it's Shizor. I'm like, well, where the hell is it an S? Like, where's the S coming from Shizor? Yeah. So I had that one wrong for years. Yeah, and all those times she says E95. We can agree to disagree. <laughs> well, I like my zebras. They're the best so the, animal. The interesting part is this is one of the things about, among of the other great things of having you as a friend in my life, I don't get phased by when I hear the word Zed come up anymore. It doesn't like affect me. It affects other people. I hear it happen when someone says it. It or but it never affects me anymore because I've gotten so used to you saying it, it's just kind of ingrained in my brain now. I think that's one of the few where I still struggle to pivot for like North America. So I someone phoned uh, sorry, I have to get close to the mic and stop being lazy here. So someone phoned Sentrybox the other day and I answered. It's like Sentrybox, Chris speaking, how may I help you? And it it was like, Oh Chris, I was just listening to your but see, it's a Canadian Chris whose intro is the pre-recorded message, and then I was like, "Oh, all right, Alan, how are you doing?" Because I knew him, so I drift, and it's like, "Oh, it's the other, it's you, Chris." And I didn't recognize you, oh, wow. because I have my North American, like my phone voice that is tailored to a North American audience. So, like, um, can I get a BLT with no tomato, please? Oh, my wow. intonation's different. 
because I want to be understood through the drive-thru. When I'm talking to you, I don't give a fuck if you understand the words that I'm saying. No, you shouldn't. I, and like <laughs> I told you, it's kind of the point. Like I, I'm so used to hearing your voice. Like I. So, it, it, so really quick, how do you say tomato if you're not doing the North tomato. American dialect? Tomato? How do you say the word? Tomato. There's no A in it. Tomato. How do you say the word aluminum? Tomato? Okay. Aluminium. That's Which is actually so. So when I so when I hear people say when I hear Brits because I've known a lot of Brits in my life and when I hear Brits say aluminium, it's like the coolest thing to me. Even though I know that most Americans cringe to that, you know, aluminium. I, just did, I physically a, just did. There's a lot aluminum. of words. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't even. I, I, is it aluminum? I don't even know anymore. Like, I do. Well, it's it's, it's aluminium. Aluminum is a l u. You know, it's alu. It all min, depends on emphasis you put on what's syllable. Both are considered to be correct. Syllable. What the fuck's a syllable? Syllable. Syllable or syllable. It's a joke. My it's a joke. My English teacher used to tell me as far as whenever (laughs) the tomato tomato thing. Both are considered correct. It all depends on what. Potato. What's syllable? (laughs) Both are considered to be correct. Yeah. Um. Then I don't. I can't think of any of a. Thank you, Mrs. Perry. By the way, if you ever if you ever hear this, I remember that joke from all those years ago. I've I kind of dumbed down not not this not for the american audience but like when i'm talking to people when i do a show with bruno who's obviously french canadian so french is his primary language mm-hmm. secondary language so i'm very um, cognizant of the words that i'm using i try and not use idioms as much uh, which is very difficult for me uh, because i use a lot of just colloquial speak and don't yeah. use the correct word uh, this is the difference between listening to a podcast i'm on and a podcast with D, uh, where like, he just uses big words as part of his normal vocabulary. I use simple words, <laughs> short, simple <laughs> words for a simple man. <laughs> I'm a simple man making my way through the galaxy. Yeah, as as you should be. Holy cow! It's midnight. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even see what yeah. time it was. I think I thought that was going to be a, a fun way to round out. You know. There you go. Yeah, I'll I'll have to have a look at doing a Borathian army for uh, Song of Ice and Fire. It, he said Baratheon, and I was like, oh, I know, but I'm going to do a Borathian. A Borathian. <laughs> yeah, so like again, anyone goes and gets those books on Audible. Uh, they were on special, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and I got all of them. Um, but yeah, the 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 off the the VA on that one. So I think Hellion Hellion Rain. The um, Raven Guard Black Library audio book is so like four dollars, maybe, or it'd be really cheap on Audible. That's the one I think that triggers me the most with niches. Oh, I I was was wandering through the dark and went into a niche in the corner. Like, where where it were? Wait, would you call that an? All right, so for me, all right, now we've got to re-up this conversation because so, and, and, so and what what is it a, a nook? It should be a, a nook. nook. Or I've yeah. heard the term niche in a corner kind of thing. Yeah, but, but really, uh, niche. I've I, never can't, heard I can't remember. Niche. I just I know that it's wrong. I'm gonna to have to listen to it again. And well, get so I've never heard triggered niche. again. It all depends on context. For me, I've never heard niche 
apply. I've never heard niche applied to like something like that, like spatial. Like, oh, there's a little niche in the corner. I've heard yeah, that pronounced. Nook. It's a, it's a or nook. nook. Yeah, I've heard that yeah. too. But when you're talking about, oh, they fit into this small subcategory, it's always the word niche. Yeah. It's like a niche, you know, it's a oh. niche hobby. It's a niche podcast. It's, you know, like, like th- th- that makes sense to me. But, oh, what, um, but they are the and, same word. What, what about, what's <laughs> now, the now I'm confused. Yeah. What, what, a, a chassis, a car chassis. Chassis, yeah. Chassis. Chassis, yeah. chassis. It's yeah. It's the chassis because that's the ch isn't also in some yeah, ways an sh- s. Sound. It's a chassis, not a chassis. Yeah. Why? Remember? Yeah. It's, what? So it's it's funny whenever you talk to a Brit that isn't Canadianized, of course, but an actual Brit, they'll tell you learn to fucking talk English, you know, because their English came before our style of English. We speak properly uh, English. We do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now you're just blowing my brain. You're blowing my mind at this point. Like I'm, just, I'm trying to think of examples that would be pertinent to conversations we've had where we've spoken about different airframes or chassis or chassis. And yeah, you'd I, call them a chassis, and I'll be like, <laughs> you just looked, I did that no for point years." In the monitor, Chris. I, I know. <laughs> years. I had to have done that. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to. Th- I can't think of any of them. Wait, 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 wait. So it's a ch. So how would you pronounce the word check? Check. Yeah. Same two letters at the beginning. Same what? consonants. Yeah, but but yours What's is q u e, isn't it? Isn't your uh, yeah. your check at q u e where ours yeah. is d k? Yeah, because we're not stupid. <laughs> we we can understand that letters can have different signs depending on the context. Yeah. Like we. We didn't have to change it. Like, the letter U is allowed to exist. No, not in the word color. It no, it doesn't. There's no U in word colors. There is. <laughs> I've never... Like, you color. spell the word differently. That, that would be color. What it, color is it? Color. It's C-O-L-O-R. It's color. But you you pronounce the U. You're pronouncing it, the U. Color. Color. Ola. I guess Ola. I am. Ola. Yeah, you're pronouncing the U. You're not spelling it that way, though. Yeah, it's it's not a silent, invisible, uh, invisible you that isn't silent. It's an actual you that's in the word, and you're saying it. You're not saying what color is it? Call. Oh yeah. Oh wow, that's a good point. Well, there's two L's. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but there are two L's in the word color. But <laughs> if you remove one of them, it is still color. The you have to add a U. To get the U sound. Yeah. Oh, double O. I'll give you double O. You'll give me a double O. You can have pull O. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going I'm going back to Zizor then. <laughs> Change my mind. I don't know how the hell that comes out to an S sound. Shizor. Oh dear. I I was we listening. We went way to, off the rails uh, on this one. <laughs> I I'll have to find it for you. I was listening to a random YouTube video. Uh, like I just had it on the car, so I was even watching it. But it was a guy who does like analysis of languages, and he was talking about um, like trade languages that they use to try it. So and how they'll have different sounds, and trying to find a language that fits in both uh, English, Chinese, French, and Spanish, Ooh. because they they pronounce sounds differently, or certain languages don't have sounds in that language. 
which is where all of these problems arise. Yeah. Because, like, Cyrillic has different sounds. Mandarin has different sounds that there is no... Uh, a Western mouth just doesn't make as part of speaking... Um, I can't even think of what the term would be, but, like, uh, with the heritage of, like, the um, Latin heritage languages. Right, right. So, like, um, I can't think what the term is now. Yeah, that's because I'm a fucking simple man. Um, we covered that. Yeah, we did. It's interesting. But yeah, that I was, was really interesting. I, I remember when I, again, Mrs. Perry, I'm going to go back to Mrs. Perry's class because she was also my creative writing teacher, uh, showing us a worksheet where they had talked to children of different ages between you know grades six through nine um, all over the world and tried to explain the what a sneeze sounded like. So you get to like the Americans, you get to the ah choos, like the phonetic ah choo kind of thing. But then you would get to like the Mandarin, it would be like a tee hee. And I'm like, well, what? Like, how is that the sound that you hear when someone sneezes? Oh, well, again, it, it's a different, but the, they, the sounds that you're used well, to hearing. Yeah. yeah well, but, but you also, so when you speak, you also hear your words where. Yeah. When you hear sounds, they they actually equate to words. It's like when people, you know, when people talk about, you know, people with hearing loss that have had it from birth, you know, the the question is, what language do they think in? Because yeah. they have no language, because you know, language is secondary. You know, we have five senses. Language is a secondary piece to our senses, and. When you like when you talk about things, a lot of times a sense will come up. So you talk about pizza and you might smell the last time you ate, you know, the pe- last pizza you ever ate. That's because, deep, man. Because you're, it's the way that your brain works. You know, it's like it's like autistic people. You know, there's a lot of autistic people and I fall into this where I don't get emotion. So like for me. I don't understand the emotional side of things. So when people talk about love or they talk about, you know, those types of things, I, my brain can't equate that. Interesting. And it's because, you know, whatever, however my brain is wired, I have, you know, I just don't have that. So it's hard for like, for me, a lot of my emotional expression is an obsession. So that's why I get obsessed about things because I don't know how to express it correctly emotionally. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, and it's something that I just learned recently in my life. I've always wondered why I did things the way I do, and it's because I I have I'm on that spectrum and it's it's hard for me to understand the emotional outlets that you get. Like, you know, you fall in love, I don't have that same feeling. It's very rational for me. You know, the huh. those types of things are rational things, whereas for other people, they might feel it in their gut or however they describe it, you know, where for me, it's all brain, man. And so the, the, it's funny so, so here, here, I, I, well, I, I can kind of relate exactly how you're saying. Like, I still feel like there's an for me, I think there's still emotional connection to that. But like whenever you hear like the way that it's written down in a book or something like that, like I've mm-hmm. never the butterflies in the stomach. Like I've never like that. It's always been an irrational thought process. That's now you've got me wondering. Well, you know, and that's, that's just it because for me, it's just how you, it's how you go from, you know, one to two in your thinking process Yeah. and two to three in your thinking process for normal people. It's very linear. You know, for me, it's like a, 
fucking, you know, it's it's like a zigzag for me to get from point A to point B on a lot of things. Because my brain, it also talks, you know, my brain constantly talks. It's always, it's always talking to me about things because that's the only way that I can, but for you, it might be step one to step two and your brain understands it. For me, it's step one to step 12 in a pattern that's, you know, like a, you know, like an elongated star or something for me to get to it. You know, I don't read like... An interesting thing I always talk about is like if if a person would ever be attracted to me, I will never ever be able to read that. Dude, you're like speaking words to me here. Yeah, like I can't read any of that. Like unless it's like blatantly like to find out, hey, by oh, the way, dude, so you should know. Dude, like you, I would never put caveman, you're caveman clubbing me. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's no joke. You know, that that's that's how it is, you know, and it's just, it's, it's kind of crazy, you know, but I don't think that's crazy at all. Like, it, it, like, I'm not joking. Like you're speaking a lot of sense, a lot of things that I genuinely have heard in my own head. And yeah. you're saying things that I have said to myself privately in my little brain cavity up here. Right. But yeah, I just, I don't know that I'd ever pick up on that. Cause I don't pick up on those types of, I don't, it's one of the things that my wife absolutely despises, despises probably the right word. One of my character flaws is the fact that I don't pick up on subtlety. Mm-hmm. simply because of that like if you say one thing oh but i really meant that thing i don't right. translate that yeah and if then you, you said a in my mind a is what registered i didn't pick then, up on the subtle hint that meant b and then toss in attention deficit disorder on top of it and it's just like you know it's like a whole that's why i talk the way that i do like a lot of times i'll get lost when i'm speaking i'll pause because my brain just went a different direction all of a sudden and it has to get driven back somehow. And and that's me driving back or I'll forget the word because my brain went another direction. You know, it's pretty I'm wild. Just, I think I this get is words because I'm stupid, Sean. It's fine. I think this is a, a show all by itself. I think we should just, like, that should, I, I know what Sean's next episode is going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do our brains work? Let's discuss. Yeah. I can only speak to how mine does because I had two years of, you know, therapy to understand it so that I could understand things, you know, but it is what it is, you know. I, 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 I'm, I'm going go to jump in because I knew you were going to say that. So I'm just going to uh, <laughs> jump in and uh, start you. closing the show. So it's uh, a pleasure having you, Sean. Yeah, great to be here, Chris. Yeah. Do you have any uh, any stuff you've got to do, Ed, before we close the show? Heresy cast. I, I can't. I can't ask myself that. So I've got to ask yeah, no. Heresy cast. Uh, with any luck, we'll be recording this upcoming Sunday. We're going to be doing episode zero. Just going to introduce to the cast and crew. So those of you who are aware of all of us, the, you're going to probably be introduced to my son, who will be joining us in the show. Uh, anyone that's new to the show, you haven't heard it yet, so there's no point in telling you guys that. We're going to start off. That's episode one's going to be introducing the cast and crew and see if we can get the recording things working so that it works well for Chris on his editing side. And then episode one. The History of the Galaxy, the short version. <laughs> I've got four pages of notes, Chris, four pages of notes on all the high things I have to hit on in an hour show. So we might be blowing past. Yeah, the Age of Apostasy. Yeah, that happened. Move on. <laughs> Next. <laughs> we'll pass that. All right. Maybe I'll, stick, I'll stop for a paragraph for that one. Yeah, yeah, the curse found you, me. Can you, yeah, they can you name me who was the, uh, the person who tried to 
bought start a new empire, the new imperium in the age of apostasy. That'd be Goge Van Dyer. But it's I, he's all he's I, all over the Sisters of Battle Codex though. Like that's like like that. I, legit- I only remember his surname against the V. Yeah. So like legitimately that 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 could be. I mean that's an episode by itself. Just the Age of Apostasy and what happened that eventually led to the creation of the Sisters of Battle. Like I could just cover just the Age of Apostasy as a show. The following show will probably be the Sisters of Battle or the Brides of the Emperor, whichever you choose. Oh well, walk softly and carry a big gun. It took custodies taking him to see the emperor to stop him. That's all I'm saying. Like they're they were like they found no flaw in their logic. Otherwise, yeah, big stuff. That's why they're the good guys. Uh they though. <laughs> if the custodians say they're good guys, they must be. Yeah. Anyways, it's we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, we'll yeah. get into that history too. Yeah. Okay. So, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for people who um, switched over the Patreon to the. Dice Hate Patreon, where I'm still getting all of these subscription models set up for, for the actual website and everything. It is uh, a work in progress. I've just done very little work on it. I'm hoping that life kind of settles down after the after the birth of a second child. Because <laughs> I'm I'm, to laugh, I, 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 I've mentioned it. a few times in the last 20 minutes. Not that smart, me, you know. <laughs> Brain cells, not a strong point. I don't know what to tell you. But um, yeah, it's been really helpful having the Patreon actually maintain. And uh, it was a little bit of a dip last month, as I, obviously I we told people we weren't going to charge people for lack of focus. Um, but we we survived. It's okay, you know. They they haven't come and taken the house off us yet, so we're all, we're all right. Woo, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been great. Everything should be going well. I'm pretty um, psyched to see uh, what happens tomorrow. Hopefully, everything goes well, and if it does. Theoretically, I actually get to pivot a little bit and put more time into dissect work and less time into sentry box work because generally that's been the the killer for productivity. Has been that I needed the guaranteed income, but having this there to kind of take some of the pressure off might might make things actually happen. We'll see. I don't know. Um, and then I'll be looking into all of them. Actually, I have to speak to my sister in the UK about what machines to order. Um, she's got like contacts in China Ooh. who she's ordered stuff from in the past because she's got a business that already does a bunch of this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, there's uh, irons in fires, as we've been saying for the last few months. But hopefully, this week is the accumulation. Is how you say that word? Culmination, culmination. I, I think it's. Is it I'm not, not getting into accu- this again. Is it is not it... accumulation, but without the ah? Yes, yes, Accumulation. Yes. I, I have to walk away from this conversation. <laughs> we'll be here for another two hours. <laughs> yeah, so I'm hoping that this is the uh, the, the end, end of that road and the start of a new a new path should open up from here. Well, it, one way or another, there's going to be a decision. So um, it doesn't matter what it is. Stuff will change as of tomorrow. So, yeah. Hopefully, well, sure you keep us posted. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Oh, you can still make the heresy cast show because that's zero effort from me. Yeah. Unless you need actual editing, then, you know, I just have to work. Well, like I said, the only thing we're going to need is we're going to try to do as much work we can ahead of time for you. Any photos that we bring yeah. up in conversation, Gabe's going to be responsible for timestamps. He's going to give you the timestamp that it happened, so it makes the, your, your job easier. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, that's uh, and I know Bruno has been chomping up a bit to... Uh, see, I have to use idioms now before I talk to Bruno. 
but he's been chomping at the bit to um you know how few horse references you guys have in North America as well? That's a horse reference right there. I, I know, but is that an American reference? Is that one that you would use? Yeah, absolutely. What about horses for courses? No, nope, never heard I that think we've, we've had this conversation, so obviously you have different toughness of grounds, and depending if it's rained or not. So depending on what course the horse is running, uh... it might be a favorite in one type of race. So you want the correct horse to run on no, the that makes. Horse. Yeah. yeah, there you go. But um, chomping up a bit, Bruno, is uh, to get another Bad Ideas podcast recorded. <laughs> so that should be happening. I know Zach is closing on his house this weekend um, and has got like moving into a new house like, impending. But I think he's looking to record something the second week in September. So theoretically, we should have um, a Bad Ideas episode landing sometime soon. And I have to do the the branding for this show, the branding for bad ideas. You've got the branding for Heresy Cast all, all underway. Paid for. All yeah, paid for all sorted out. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of stuff happening with the uh, potentially three different shows. Woo! Yeah, be cool. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, that's it, everyone. I know we've uh, been around the hoses a little bit. Just keep <laughs> those idioms coming. I've got yeah. idioms for days. Get them all out of your system now. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> We're right in the houses today. But uh, thanks for sticking with us, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we'll see you all next time.